Is there a desire in you to not just attend revival, but live in revival? Welcome to the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Saldivar. I've been in revival for the last 10 years, as well as traveling and being a part of many revivals throughout the United States. I'm going to be sharing with you how to live a radical lifestyle of revival on a daily basis. Ladies and gentlemen, we are live, and you're on screen right now. I was going to put Whoa. me just on screen, oh, but you're hey, there live. Hey, here we go. We are, <laughs> we are here. Welcome. Welcome, guys, to the Revival Lifestyle Podcast episode. If you know the episode, type it in the chat, 154. I didn't even give you time to type it. By the time you typed it, I already said it. Welcome, guys. Thank you for being here. Tonight's going to be an amazing night. We're actually talking about something that we've never talked about in depth on the podcast, and that's raising godly children. Okay. And what better person to have on than someone that has not one, not two, not Ooh, three. Keep you know, going. Every time I say, every time I say how many kids I have, I'm like, I have four. Like not three, not two, but you have not four, not five. You have six warriors, six children, and you've raised them all in God. You have an amazing testimony that you're gonna share tonight. And then he's gonna give us practical steps to raising godly kids. This is so needed. As I was looking over some of the stuff we were talking about, I'm like, I need this. I need to be taking notes. And Alex Edfer, I think you know hey, him in the chat. Alex. I was like, I need to be taking notes on this. Guys, it's gold tonight what you're going to get. So I highly encourage everybody to share the broadcast, like the broadcast. It's going to be an amazing night. October 24th, we have the Domino Revival coming out nationwide. We are meeting up. I think there's like 10 seats left in Manteca, California. Zip code 95336 if you want to meet up with me October 24th at 7 o'clock. And then November 18th, I will be in Greenville, Texas. We have 20,000 seats. Yay! 20,000 wow. seats. Free 99 in Greenville, Texas. There's going to be plenty of room for everybody, so you don't want to miss that. And I know all of you are like, where's the information? I was supposed to post it today, and I just like 20 minutes ago forgot I didn't post the info. So tomorrow, by God's grace, if... Jesus has a return by then. I will be posting the Greenville, Texas information on my website so you don't want to miss out. All right, all of that out of the way. Guys, shared the broadcast. Nico's cross-posting it. Let me double-check to make sure that I shared it on Instagram. We had an awesome night last night. I planned last night to go 40 minutes, and I went two hours and 40 minutes, so it's all good. I went two hours over. But tonight, we're just going to take our time. We're going to talk. You guys don't know him, but this is one of my absolute best friends. We've known each other for 10 years. How are you feeling tonight, bro? I feel great. I'm excited to be here. Um, I love the uh, microphones, the lights, the chairs everything. are comfortable. Chairs, yeah, this is a pretty hip little uh, studio you got. We got the little Miami uh, color scheme, the yeah. retro Miami Vice color scheme. It's going to be a great night. I want to introduce you guys to him. We met 10 years ago. Yeah, 10 years ago. Um, you reached out to me on Instagram. Yeah. Some of my best friends, like Mike Signorelli, I, <laughs> I met, know, they slid into my DMs on Instagram. So yeah, he, our first date was actually meeting at his house. He messaged me on Instagram, like, let's meet up. And then we were knocking on the door to your house. And my wife said, oh, by the way, how do you know them? And I said, oh, I don't know them. I just, he messaged me on Instagram. He's a pastor. So we went to, he invited me over to his house. So oh my it was, gosh. Uh, it was great. It was really awesome. Um, yeah, so I remember seeing clips of you preaching and just like, hey, I got to connect with this guy, so message you. And it was a really interesting season of my life. I tell all my, when I was youth pastoring, to all my kids, you got to find those fiery yes. friends, those kids that have the countenance that they've been with the Lord. And I remember when we met, I'm like, oh man, this guy actually lives out what he's talking about. And it was so rare because so many times in the church, you would think pastors are going to be living it out, but yes. they're actually not. They're actually just professional ministers. They have no fire. They have no desire. And so when I met you, it was like a real pivotal point in my life. And man, it was 
It was awesome. Yeah, and we would talk for, this sounds so so funny, but we would talk for like eight hours, 10 hours. We'd go to dinner. We'd be just hours and hours talking about the Holy Spirit, talking about prayer. Yeah. And I saw God relighting a fire in your life, reigniting you for revival. And you were like, whoa, there's more than just, you know, church on Sunday. And you got hungry for prayer. We were actually meeting up for a while for prayer. I don't even remember that. We yeah. were meeting up in the mornings and we would just sit in your car and pray. And super early, I was like, dude, I don't get up this early unless I'm bass fishing. And we would get up. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we'd meet for prayer. We did that for a few months, but you've just been such good friends. We kind of stopped hanging out during the whole lockdown that happened. We kind of yeah. didn't talk for a while, a few years, everything was kind of shut. And then we got reconnected in summertime. We were hanging out camping. We've been hanging out the lake and fishing and playing pickleball nonstop together yeah, for hours true. a day. So it's been amazing to see what God's doing in your life. And so tonight... I want you to share your testimony, and then we're going to give you guys seven practical steps to raising godly kids. But let's start with the people maybe that don't know you. Were you raised in church? What kind of upbringing did you have? I know a key to your testimony tonight is like, yeah, being raised in church doesn't equate to being raised in Christ. Yeah, so start with being your upbringing and kind of how you got to where you are now. Yeah, two wonderful parents uh, raised me, loved me. I had three brothers. We all went to church together. It was great. Um, but still, just going to church every Sunday doesn't you know, equate to you serving the Lord. And I never made that leap to make it um, my own faith. And so, but my parents were great, uh, put me in godly environment. And then um, uh, in high school, um, that's when I really started to, you know, meet other friends that were Christians, starting to get involved in youth group, different things like that. Um, but in high school is actually when I met my wife. Mm. That was a special moment. Uh, she was on fire for the Lord. She stood out like all the rest of the girls. And, uh, I finally got her phone number one day. We we're in the snack bar line and, um, <laughs> she bar. came up to me and, uh, wrote her phone number on my arm. This is before wow. cell phones and pagers. So, yeah. On the arm. So I had the digits right there. And, um, and so I started calling her, talking to her. And then she eventually was like, Hey, um, you know, let's meet up at the movies. And so I said, Oh, Okay. Well, the only problem is my wife was not allowed to date, and so oh, no. we uh, we decided to go. Boy. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yes, Lord. So we meet up at the movie theater. Uh, me and my friend Kirk, her and her friend Jacqueline. Jacqueline, if you're watching this, you'll love this story. And uh, we're going to a, a movie that only plays. They only has two screens. So Dennis the Menace was playing and GI Jane. And so only G.I. Jane was playing at night. And for some of you that don't know, that's a rated R movie. And so kids under the age of 17 should not be watching those movies. Preach. And so we were uh, <laughs> so we were going to watch we were going to watch G.I. Jane and her dad dropped her off thinking she's just going to go watch this movie with her friend, Jacqueline. So while we're in the movie theater, her dad with, you know, the power of God speaking to him is like, there's something not right. here." Oh, no. And about 30 minutes into G.I. Jane, I'm going in for the handhold, and all of a sudden, I see this guy coming down the movie theater aisle with a flashlight. Oh, no. Oh, bro, it gets worse. And all of a sudden, I, I look over, I'm like, hey, did you see that guy? To, and <laughs> oh, he's like, no. yeah. And, and next thing you know, my wife is getting dragged <laughs> out. Well, she's my girlfriend, or trying to be my girlfriend. <laughs> At the time, getting dragged out of the movie theater, literally like, daddy, daddy, stop. And I'm sitting there going, oh, my gosh, I'm going to die a virgin. Wow. And I'm like, There's, this, is, this is horrible. I don't know what to do with my life. My friend Kirk busts out of the movie theater through the emergency exit. And I'm like, I'm next. This guy's going to come. You know, I'm going to die. And so I get on the floor, do an army crawl because it's G.I. Jane. You know? Army crawl. Yep, and I 
I bust out of the back of the movie theater. I, I run to Kirk's truck, get in the truck, drive home. I get home. Uh, my mom comes up to me. She's like, honey, I think you need to uh, uh, come here for a second. I said, yeah, what is it, mom? She goes, I want to play something for you. So she plays. We used to have these things a long time ago called answering machines. Nobody knows what that is. I know. So anyways, No one watching it, this knows. Yeah, so an answering machine is something at your house that would record a message if you were not home. Because we actually had uh, house phones. Home phone. Home yeah, phone. Call, yeah. No one knows what that yes. is either. Yeah, so you can Google it. It's on the History Channel. So we... <laughs> History she plays. Channel. She plays the message. You're winning. Nico's already laughing. <laughs> That's all it's gonna take, dude. We have so many oh, more man. jokes. Oh, it's gonna be a good. We've night. been laughing. So she plays the. She plays the recording for me, and it's like. Um. Hello, uh, Mr. Johnson, or this is Mr. Johnson. Uh, tonight, your son Jared was at the movie theater with my daughter Candace, and I don't know how you raise your kids, but oh, we no. don't let our we don't let our kids watch rated R movies. And they and plus my daughter's not allowed to date, but she was there with your son. And so um, your daughter, my daughter's never going to be allowed to see your <laughs> no. son ever again. If your son would like to see my daughter, he will have to come to the house, have dinner with us and meet the entire family. And thank you very much. This is Mr. Johnson. I'm like, no way. No. I'm not. I look at my mom. I was like, mom, this girl's way too much drama. I'm not going <laughs> to like see her. <laughs> She's way too much drama. So I'm like, I'm done. And um, well, we've been married 21 years and got six kids. So six it doesn't kids. matter how you start. It's about how you finish. Yes. Come on. God can do a miracle for you. Amen. Preach. Prophesy. That's amazing. So you guys get married. Well, you didn't get married in high school. You dated all throughout high school. Off when did on, you get married? Yeah, so we dated off and on in high school without our dad knowing. Sorry, Mr. Johnson. And then uh, we... <laughs> Which then, we love him, by the way. He's one of the nicest guys he's ever. The, he's the best. Papa Johnson, you're the best. So uh, after I got graduated high school, we got married. I was the ripe age of... 20 and she was 19. Can wow. you believe that? That's just Alyssa insane. was 20 and I was 21 wow. when we got married. So we were young too. We we had brain damage. Now people are yeah. like 35 <laughs> and they're like, oh, I'm still thinking I if mean, I even um, want to get married. I'm like, you're 35. Yeah, yeah. You should already have like nine kids by now. But you're anyways, I don't, soon. I don't want to stress. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to stress all of you out in the chat. Last time I said you should be married, people were like, wait, what? I'm 40. I'm not married. Guys, relax. It's all going to be good. So you get married. You're raised in church. Were you in high school and growing up? Were you drinking, partying? Were you bad, or were you always yeah. serving the Lord so, and always walking with you God? You know, going to youth group, not really, you know, doing anything bad. But then after I got married, um, you know, I just wanted to live the American dream, right? Mm. You know, make make money, own a house, uh, buy nice cars, had nice, you know, toys, had a fishing boat, and had a Rottweiler, and so. Literally, money in the bank, doing everything that the American dream would say would give you some sort of success and fulfillment, and yet I was empty on the inside. Mm. And so no matter what I did, soon start self-medicating with you know drugs, alcohol, different things like that, just trying to fill the void. And I remember you know coming to this realization, my wife starting to figure out that you know I'm not who I say I am, mm. and you know all that stuff starts catching up. So if you're living a, a double lifestyle Preach. watching this, it is the most miserable, debilitating thing that you can do. Trying to live a duplistic lifestyle in front of one person this way and another group of people this way, I just couldn't do it. I, I finally got, came to my wit's end. I remember driving home from a camping trip, just taking inventory of my life, just going, man, God, I've got everything that this world would say would make me successful and happy. People are like, oh, I wish I had your life. I wish I could wow. be successful doing what you're doing in construction. And uh, I finally just said, 
God, I know you're real. I know that I haven't been following you or serving you. I know you have a plan, so I'm, I'm going to give you 100%. And if you can give me some sort of piece that I don't get from a pill pipe or bottle, I'll give you my whole life. Wow. And immediately, the moment I surrendered, everything changed. Like the presence of God flooded my truck. Tears began to manifest that I had been suppressing the voice of God, the presence of God for years and years. And all of a sudden, it was like my eyes were open. All of a sudden, I could hear God and everything changed. As soon as, he, as soon as that happened in my truck, you know, I wasn't at a church. I wasn't, you know, anywhere. I was just driving down Highway 88. And then all of a sudden, he spoke to me saying, I want you to read the Bible morning, noon, and night. And I want you to pray during those times. And then I want you to meet with your grandfather. And he's going to mentor you. So I come home on a Sunday morning, change my clothes. My wife is uh, volunteering at church, singing on the worship team. I walk into the church, and the, for the very first time, like, I'm crying during the worship I love wow. the sermon. Everything like changed. I went from like darkness into light. It was such a such a change that I didn't even want to tell my wife anything because I didn't know if this was a 24-hour thing. I didn't know. It really was you're born again. Wow. And so after three days, my wife looks at me and she's like, What in the world is going on with you? And I was like, What? She goes, You're reading the Bible. And I was like, Well, isn't that what Christians do? She's like, You've never read the Bible. And so wow. I'm like, oh. I said, So this is what happened. I tell her the whole story. And she's just like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. So she's excited. And then um, the only thing was I wasn't obedient. I never called my grandpa. And mm. so my grandpa, he was a pastor, loved the Lord, um, loves the Holy Spirit, also like a theologi theologian. He's written uh, commentaries on all four Gospels, on amazing. the life of Moses, the life of David, on the tabernacle. So he's just, he, he just buries himself in the Word of God. So I remember one day I finally mustered the courage. and was like, all right, Grandpa, I'm going to call, call him up. He answers the phone. He's like, hello? I was like, hey, Grandpa, this is Jared, your grandson. Can we study the Bible? He's like, who is this? You know, it's just wow. like, who is this imposter? And I said, hey, he's like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, Grandpa, everything's fine. Um, it wasn't okay. I'm doing better now. And he's like, okay, I'm over tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. So I drove to my Grandpa's house, 6 a.m. Every Tuesday morning, I'd go to his house. The door was open. He had a cup of black coffee there with uh, his Bible, and I would sit there, and for you know the next hour, hour and a half, he would just open up the Bible, and I had all these questions. So like, if you don't have someone that's discipling you, it is so important for Come your on. spiritual growth. You have to have somebody that's going to be older, wiser, the, someone that's just pouring into your life, that's helping you understand what... Um, the Bible's saying and how to interpret it. I had all these questions. I had all these false ideologies that I had picked up from what my friends had told me about God. So my grandpa was so patient. And he also taught me how to drink coffee. Wow. You drink coffee black. And that's, that's the way Jesus Yeah, that's the way Jesus would drink it. Because when you start adding the cream of <laughs> you start adding that cream, cream of, of compromise, compromise, bro. It's like next thing you know, it's crack cocaine and you're just you're back in the gutter. So the cream I, of compromise. Yeah, so you just drink a coffee black the way Jesus would. So Learn how to drink coffee black, and um, yeah, so that, I mean. I love how you point out that there's so many people watching this that we've been taught as long as you get the nice car, as long as you get an attractive wife, as long as you get this, or as long as you get that, that's going to fill your void. Not realizing every single person is made with a void that the American dream cannot fill. It is actually impossible for the American dream to fill the void that God has yeah. placed in our heart, and a lot of people right now are settling for, an, and I don't want to be rude and, but it's a nine, like, imagine God created you just for a nine to five. God did not make us for just a nine to five existence where we're trying to get the next house, the next upgrade, the next car, the next thing. God made you to minister. God made you to serve him, to worship and to praise him. And there's a lot of people that hits home with because they have a nice house, nice car, nice this. 
but they don't have peace. They don't have joy. They go to bed empty. They go to bed depressed. We see it with all these celebrities. Yeah. Like, how are you a celebrity? You have all of this money, and yet you're the most empty person. You're suicidal. You're anxious. And it's, it's simple. They're not fulfilling the call that God has in their life. And it's not enough, and I feel the Holy Ghost tonight, just I go to church on Sunday. It's not enough that, oh, I just run this or I... I'm on the worship team. You have to really know God. You'll never be satisfied unless you truly know God in an intimate way. And I like what you said of praying, of fasting, of reading the Bible, of getting in his word and getting an appetite. Like there's so many people, they have no appetite for the Bible. They have no appetite for prayer. And I'm going like, how could you be a Christian? How could you think you're going to be satisfied when you never eat? You're malnourished and you're not eating of the word. So talk a little bit about now you're reading the Bible. God told you to read it, what, three times yeah, a day? Yeah, three times a day, morning, noon, and night. And and you're being mentored as well. Yeah, I'm being mentored by my grandfather. I met with another pastor on Thursday. I reached out to him. He was mentoring me. So I'm literally just surrounding myself with the Word of God, staying in the presence of God. And, th- and I'll tell you this, that right when you were talking about just being malnourished, like when you're, when you're born again, moving from darkness into light, just like— um, like, I love fishing, you love fishing, yeah. and you take a fish out of water, mm. it'll just flop around, it looks silly, it, you know, it's gasping for air, but you put a fish in water, in the atmosphere it was born for, all of a sudden it's fast, it's agile, it was designed for that. When you're born again, you were designed for the presence of God Come and on. to hear His Word every single day. So it's no wonder that nobody has real appetite, but when I was spiritually awakened, I desired God so much that all I wanted to do was spend time with him. All I wanted to do was uh, listen to his voice. And so I was reading the Bible, and there's a scripture in Isaiah 50, verse 4. It says, he wakens me morning by morning, opens my ears to hear like one being taught. So I would I would read that. And I'm like, God, open my ears. I want to hear your voice. I don't want to be sitting on the sidelines. I don't want to be the person that's just always on the bench, like, put me in, coach. I'm ready to play. Come on. And so God began to speak to me. I had this... Uh, unsatiable appetite for his word. I remember going to construction sites and all these subcontractors were asking me like, dude, what is going on with you? Did you get another haircut? Did you change something? I'm like, man, I'm reading this. And I held up the Bible. They're like, oh, it's a Bible. I'm like, no, you you guys, this is the living word of God. This is how we eat, breathe, function. This is like what we are designed to. We don't live on bread alone, but by every word that continually flows mm. from his mouth. Not just what the preacher is saying on Sunday. It's like, what is he saying to me this morning? And intimacy is not predicated on what my wife told me 21 years ago when we were getting married it's what she said this morning and your Mm. relationship with God should be the exact same way it should be like I know what he told me this morning I heard his voice and if you're not hearing his voice I want to encourage you push away from the table of distraction there are so many things especially when you wake up all you want to do is surf the internet social media watch the news look at your text messages look at your emails you're going to go through all of that all of a sudden your mind's going to get dull all of a sudden now you're reacting to all of these images and all of these things that are coming at you when you could have like Ezekiel, getting visions of God, reading his word, and all of a sudden Ezekiel sits by the river Kabar, astonished for seven days because of the things that he has seen. So I always reserve the mornings uh, to meet with the Lord. I don't want anything else polluting my mind. And so that was all happening early days. I had this And you're like, still working construction at the time. Yeah, still working construction. But now you're having this spiritual awakening, yep. and you're like, God's speaking to me audibly in my truck. I'm reading the Bible every day. I have an appetite for the Word of God. And then, and it's interesting you say that because I think back to my encounter, the two things God told me to do was pray and then 
find somebody to disciple me. And I told my uncle Nino, mm -hmm. I was like, I think you're, I think the Lord told me to, to tell you that you're going to discipline me. And he's like, what? <laughs> he's like, oh, I mean, when you were a little kid, I, I am your uncle. I used to, you know, I, we would, I guess I've spanked you before, but what do you mean? I said, no, the Lord told me that you're going to discipline me. And he said, do you mean disciple? And I was like, yeah. I said, oh, the, that's what the Lord meant was disciple. Uh, I didn't so know. Funny. I didn't know what discipleship was. I thought it was, I just thought, okay, it sounds like discipline. So he said, yeah, I think you mean disciple you. And that came to my memory because I started praying every day for an hour and I started being discipled by someone that was more seasoned in yes. the ministry, knew God. Yep. And that's, you will not survive if you don't have someone fighting for you. If you yeah, don't have someone absolutely. in your corner good, when you're weary, when you're tired, when you're like, I want to give up or I'm confused or I have questions. Now it's sad because I'm watching a lot of guys get saved on social media. I thank God I didn't get saved in social media generation. We had no social media when I got saved. Yeah, like neither. it was, it wasn't. Instagram actually, I think, came out the week I got saved. But now a lot of these guys in the last few years, they're getting saved online and they're getting their doctrine from YouTube videos. They're getting their theology from a TikTok video. Like they have no one to sit them down as a real pastor and say, these are the orthodoxies of the faith. This is what Jesus does. And now you have all of this confusion on social media because no one really discipled them. Yeah. And I hate to be the guy to say, because listen, I'm online, I'm live streaming multiple times a week, I have videos. You can't be discipled through a YouTube video. You can't be discipled. <laughs> and this is coming from a guy that lives on YouTube. You got to get somebody in your life right. that will pour into you, that will mentor you, that's more seasoned in the faith. Maybe they're not the most relevant, the most good looking, the most hip. Maybe it's a grandpa. Maybe it's an uncle, but someone that will come in your life and you might have to beg someone to please, will you be a Paul and I'll be a Timothy? Please, will you mentor me? I, Jared, I literally wouldn't have survived if Nino didn't come alongside me, my uncle, and mentor me and pour into me and travel with me and teach me and go, hey, this is what the word of God says. Hey, yes, you can do. I remember one day saying, wait a minute, can I do all of these things the Bible says? Like I could cast out demons, I could heal the sick, I could pray for people. I, can I really do everything in this Bible? And he always says like, I could have neutered you right there and said, no, yeah. You know, you got to wait till you go through Bible college. You have to do, but he said, no, everything in the word of God you can do. And I needed somebody older than me to come and say, you can walk and live this thing out. So I want to challenge all of you watching, find someone to disciple you, beg someone to yeah. disciple you. It might be your grandpa. And I thought like, dude, I went from having all these friends partying and drinking and like being cool in this and now I'm lame. I have no friends. I'm I'm literally hanging out with my uncle and my sister every day. Like it wasn't cool in the eyes of the world, but it was such a spiritual thing that changed my life. And it went from, oh, I'm weird now because I have no friends hanging out with my uncle to this massive revival where all these people are coming. And literally for the last 13 years, he still mentored me, still discipled me to this day really laid down his life for me. And that's something that your grandfather started doing, mentoring you, discipling you. It, yeah, it, absolutely. It's life-changing. And I would say what was really awesome about that is um, other people started noticing the growth in my life, and they would always ask me, like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, I'm reading the Bible every day, like three times a day. And they're like, what else are you doing? I'm like, well, I'm, you know, meeting with my grandpa on Tuesday mornings. They're like, well, could I come to that meeting? And wow. I'm like, I'm like, let me ask my grandpa. So I asked my grandpa, and he's like, absolutely. So no joke, before um, probably in about six months, there's 12 guys sitting around my grandfather's Come table. On. He's pulling out the leaves, having to extend this little oak table. And he's got all of these little uh, pamphlets that he's written on the, the, the life of Christ that he's handing out to all these guys Come and on. discipling them. And it all started because, you know, 
God did something in my life. And so you never know like what part you're going to play for other people in their, in their walk, in their discipleship journey. And so, um, yeah, so definitely you have to have somebody discipling. You have to have, as Paul had, you know, was pouring into Timothy, look for those people and dude, do whatever it takes, you know, beg them, uh, message them, uh, show up early, stay late, whatever it is. Whatever it costs, you know, it's worth it. Yeah, absolutely. So now how do you go from that to becoming a pastor? Because you pastored for many years. You get called in the ministry. You leave that high-paying construction job. Cool. Now, there's a misconception like pastors are money-hungry. <laughs> Guys, most pastors leave lucrative, high-paying jobs to join the ministry. And I'm telling you right now, you do not get paid a lot of money being a pastor. Oh, man. It's, like, it's actually like one of the lowest-paying jobs in the country. So this idea that every pastor wants money— Every pastor joined for money is such a false idea. How did you get called from being a, a construction worker? You're lit on fire now. Like God is alive now for you. He's yeah. real for the first time. Wasn't just church on Sunday. That void that you couldn't fill having a nice car, nice house is now being filled by God. And how do you get involved in being a pastor? Yeah. So this pastor that was mentoring me on Thursday morning after about three months, and we would just have amazing time in the presence of the Lord. We'd be crying. Um, after about three months, he just said, hey, there's this call of God in your life. And he goes, I want you to join my uh, church and be a youth pastor. And I'm like, oh, I don't know how to do that. What do you mean? And so uh, my wife's um, brother-in-law, shout out to Jeremy Johnson, Fearless Church. He was a youth pastor. Which is, by the way, the youth pastor of the church I got saved at. So his, bro guys, just so you know, the way it all connects, his brother-in-law, so his wife's brother, is was the pastor at the time of the church I got saved at. That's the right. service I got saved at. But go ahead. Yep. Sorry. I had to throw it in there. So yeah. Jeremy. And so I'm like, well, at least Jeremy could mentor me if I need to learn how to be a youth pastor. He's doing it. And so me and my wife prayed. We said yes to that. And I was still working construction at the time. And I remember journaling just like, man, God, I wish I could have more time to do this. I wish I could do this full time, but that's just not possible. How am I going to do that? And a year to the day, it was like like one day off, like 364 days from the day I wrote that in my journal, I was hired at a church to be full-time youth pastor. Wow. And I did that. And yeah, it was a huge pay cut. Um, all the people in construction are like, man, that church must be paying you a fortune to, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to come work for you're making good them. money. And I'm like, I remember telling the first guy, it was a plumber. I'm like, yeah, actually I'm taking a pay cut, like almost like less than half. And they're like, why? Wow. Why would you do that? I was like, Oh man, I have joy doing this. Like this is I'm following what God has for me to do. So it's so worth any any amount of sacrifice. And they just it did not resonate in their mind. And I couldn't tell anybody else because of the, just the blank stares and they just had no no way of recognizing why that was even a logical decision. But let me tell you, like if God calls you to do something and you run from it, there's people that are like in businesses that are thriving right now that are miserable because they know they should yes. be pastoring in the local church. And if that's you, I would encourage you, like it it's time to just sell everything and follow God and do what he's put you on this planet to do because you'll never be fulfilled just making money, running that business. And then on the opposite side, Isaiah, there's pastors that have not, should not be in churches and you Amen. probably know some of them. They yep. should be out in, they would have way more influence if they were in the marketplace doing what God had called them to do. And so like they saw a pastor and they're like, oh, that looks amazing. I, that should be, you know, that'll give me success and that'll help me climb the Christian ladder. No, you should have stayed in your job. You should have used that platform that God had given you and made disciples right there. Yeah. And so this pastor, you know, gives me an opportunity. So I start pastoring full-time at a local church and it was great. And then that, that's actually where I met you. Yeah. And we met, I don't even know what year it was. 2012 or 13? 2013. Yep. 10 years 2013. Ago. Yep. And then um, 
yeah, through all that, uh, I got relit on fire, and that was like a real pivotal moment for my life. You know, just I think sometimes when you've been a Christian a long time and you've seen so many people just fall away from the Lord, some of you are watching right now, and you probably have family members that maybe you got saved because your family members members led you to the Lord. Now they're not even serving God. Mm. And so we had a lot of disappointment. We had a lot of people that have just became lukewarm that weren't following God anymore. And then I met you and I'm like, dude, who is this firebrand? This guy is just a flaming torch and gosh, (laughs) flaming torch. Maybe I shouldn't use that kind of word. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to get canceled. We're in California, so we don't want no flaming here. Canceled. He was on fire. (laughs) (laughs) They don't know out here in California, flaming means something else. If you're not from California. Yeah. I was a flaming hot Cheeto. (laughs) I went and talked about our first date. Now you're calling me a flaming torch. (laughs) Sorry, go ahead. So I was on fire for God. Yes, fuego for the Lord. And then, um, yeah, and then all of a sudden everything began to change in my life. And that was, you know, you... I mean, just even preaching everything and just got hungry again for God and hungry for his presence. And um, yeah, and then I started asking questions like, I feel like there's something else God wants me to do. And, you know, transition's a weird feeling. And you're also in a church that was like, I got to be careful what I say because I know there's pe- a lot of people watching, but it was it wasn't like a cre- you know revival. And I remember going and preaching for you, and we were like casting out demons, and there's yeah. people. Some of the pastors are like, "We can't be doing this here at the church." And we were we were really like seeing a move of God at your church yeah. throughout the youth group. There was revival happening, and there's a lot of people that they feel like, "Oh, I can't have revival." Because I go to a church that's not maybe like a revival church. But guess what, friend? You can have revival yeah, still. Absolutely. There's no excuse. It doesn't matter what type of church you're you're at, whether it's a revival church, a Pentecostal church, a Baptist church, a charismatic church. If God's doing something in your life, go after that. Don't let the pastor or leader or, or whatever stop you from having revival. Because you guys had full on... You're having revival, and then I remember a lot of the adults were coming to the youth, and the pastor's yeah. like, uh, what's going on here? Why are all the adults coming to the youth group? Talk a little bit yeah. about some of the revival that yeah. was happening. I would say, um, you know, when we first started doing youth ministry, we didn't know, like, I was told, like, you got to have a, uh, a vision plan, and so I thought that had something to do with your eyesight, you know, like, and I'm just like, <laughs> okay, what, what's what's my vision plan going to be, you know? How, I think I've got good eyesight. Uh <laughs> And I just remember spending time, you know, just taking my lunch breaks and praying, like, God, I got to have vision. I got to have vision. I got to have vision. So what do you want this to do? What do you want youth ministry to look like? And so I remember praying one day, and I see this picture in my mind. And in those days, you probably remember it, if any of you guys are watching, uh, illustrated sermons. You know, Yeah, so very popular. (laughs) So in my mind, I see myself doing an illustrated sermon for these junior high kids, and I'm literally you know, doing the Tower of Babel, you know, with Elijah and the Mount Carmel, not Tower of Babel, but Elijah and Mount Carmel. Yeah. I was like, a thousand, couple thousand years apart, but go ahead. Yes. <laughs> I got to get my grandpa's yeah. theologian books out. <laughs> so uh, Elijah, Mount Carmel, you know, he's got fire <laughs> he erupting. Just, he was destroying the Tower of Babel on Mount Carmel. They're going to have plenty of fun making videos was, about this. It's in the book of Enoch. You yeah, should all yeah. read it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Sorry, I went there. Right. You're good. So you're Elijah, yes. Mount Carmel. Mark, Mount Carmel, uh, not caramel. Told but you Nico's Carmel. easy to make laugh. <laughs> so Elijah, Mount Carmel, and and I'm doing these pyrotechnics for these kids, you know. In like, the church. Yeah, in the church, and all of a sudden, like, I'm burning ceiling tiles, and I'm and I'm like, oh, this is, you know, the kids are like, this is amazing. What is, what is he going to do now? Told you, Nico's literally dying. Oh. He's having a heart attack, oh, dude. Look at him. 
All right. Okay, so I'm praying and I see this and I'm doing this and I'm like burning ceiling tiles and and like in in this prayer and this like if you're charismatic I had a vision if you're not it was a dream okay and so like I see these ceiling tiles I'm replacing them I'm like man I feel all this pressure like I have to outdo myself again next week <laughs> and so I have literally How could you outdo yourself I know. your pyrotechnics burning the ceiling <laughs> so so literally I'm like oh gosh and so immediately I felt this pressure like oh that's what I'm gonna have to do to keep this going and to keep the kids happy to keep them entertained. And, uh, and then the Lord's like, you can do ministry man's way. It's all about performance. Preach, it's all about precious, yeah, pressure and performance. Or you can do it my way. The next thing I saw when I was praying was um, we're in this you know little room, this modular trailer where we were meeting, and all of a sudden the presence of God comes in the room, and all these kids just start weeping and crying, and literally like revival's breaking out. Come on. And instead of... Instead of replacing ceiling tiles, I'm scrubbing cheap mascara stains out of the carpet. And God says, you can do ministry two ways. You can do it man's way. It's just going to be performance and pressure and and trying to keep the the people in the seats. Or you can do it my way, which is all about my presence. Mm. And so we made a decision, my wife and I, and she was our worship leader, my worship leader at the time. We're like, hey, we're just going to wait until his presence comes. And then we're going to let these kids experience him. And so from the early days, that's all we did. We just wanted the presence of God to show up. And I'll never forget the time he came. And, dude, we had janky sound system worship. It was like we had kids playing instruments. Hold on. You got to be careful. You just said my wife was a worship leader. Then your next sentence was, <laughs> yes. we had janky worship. No. The, the, the only thing. <laughs> the only thing good was Candace. <laughs> I'm just trying to make sure we keep it clean here. <laughs> Because, you know, your wife, your family, everyone's watching. My wife's going to cancel me. Yeah. So the, the equipment my wife, was janky. Yes, yes. So, no, my wife's playing worship. And literally. Nico's, Nico's off the hinges tonight, dude. We're going to have to find a new person. So my wife's playing worship, but the rest of the kids, the junior high kids, they're not even plugged in, you know. So the guitar, they're not, they, dads are like, hey, how come I can't hear my son? And I was like, well, have you heard your son play? He needs some lessons. So, goes, so, so we're literally. Me so hard. I just wanted people to know, like you know, we didn't have you know this amazing sound system, and this Candace is playing the keys, and we got Amazingly, we got kids, yeah, we got kids playing you know air guitars up there. <laughs> Nothing's going on, but then he came. The Come literally on. the presence of God came. Kids start crying, and they're like experiencing him. And then we started having a revival. Kids are getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. Kids are praying for each other, getting healed. Um, it just it, parents are calling. What'd you do to my kid? They don't want to play video games. They don't want to drink. They don't want to party. What are they doing? What's going on at the church? I need to come see. Yeah, and so we would have we'd have parents that would sneak out of the adult service just to come into the junior high service because they're like, this is what my kid needs, but yeah. this is all what I, this is what I need. And so we just started seeing God move supernaturally. And we were just in this like little modular trailer. And I'll never forget those early days. It was just so innocent. I had all these sermons that I threw away because once he came, like we didn't want to move out of that. Like we wanted his presence so bad and it was just worth everything. And so um, revival started breaking out. You started coming. We started having these revival nights at our church. All these other youth groups started showing up and it was just powerful. But then there was also like opposition. Yeah. You know, you always, you're fighting spiritual warfare. The enemy doesn't want to lose territory and ground. We had kids that were struggling with, you know, identity issues, getting set free, bringing yep. all their friends, lining up on the roads. They're getting saved. They're getting delivered. It was just awesome. And so as I started doing that and started praying, I really felt like God was saying like, you know, the harvest is plentiful, but Come the on. laborers are few. And so I kept, we kept just seeing, you know, 
basically the same group of kids coming every week. Sometimes they'd bring their friends, and I started asking questions like, there's got to be something else. There's got to be something more. And then one day, this uh, FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes director, messages me and says, hey, I'd like to get coffee. He starts sharing the vision of what God's doing on high school campuses all over Sacramento. And I'm like, man, where were you guys at 10 years ago when I yeah. first started youth ministry? I would have loved to join, you know, love to help you. And he's like, well, we're here now. So my friend uh, Otis Amy, if you're watching Otis, shout out to you. Hey. Um, used to play for the 49ers, go Niners. <laughs> and uh, so Otis messages. So Otis comes and speaks at one of our local high schools, and literally 60 kids give their lives to the Lord. I'm just like, what in the world is happening? Uh, I'm walking him to his car after after that um, that Christian club meeting. And he says, hey, have you ever considered FCA? And I'm like, what do you mean? He, he starts sharing all about what we're doing on campuses. And I'm like, dude, I would love to be a part of this. And he says, well, you pray. We've been praying about having a director in this area. And so, and I'm like, all right, great. He says, but there's one catch. Um, you've got to be like a missionary and raise all your support. And I was like, what? Wow. There's faith attached to this? Yeah, there's I'm no 30, paycheck? Yeah, I'm like, man, I'm 35. I got five kids at the time, and I'm going to go start it again. But it was the first thing, Isaiah, because I had other local church opportunities to be a senior pastor, but it was the first time that I felt mm. something ignite inside of me, like, this is what you were born to do. So uh, I say yes to FCA. This is May 2017. In the first year of doing FCA um, in the greater Sacramento area, we saw more kids. We had more kids make decisions to follow Christ than all of my 10 years of youth ministry combined. Wow. It was like the favor of God was on this ministry. I wasn't a huge jock. I didn't know you know, how to connect with all these coaches and athletes, but God did. God used just my heart for him, and all of a sudden, we started growing, and um, yeah, the rest is history. I've been with it's FCA amazing. now for six and a half years. And, and now you're the regional... Regional what, what vice president, so I oversee Northern California and Nevada, and we've got about 50 staff, and man, we're plugging away. We're seeing God do supernatural things. Uh, in Las Vegas, right after COVID, there was like all this violent, violent, uh, violence happening in classrooms. Kids were just, you know, they were just wound up, and they didn't know what to do, and uh, teachers got together. And all these principals from all the school districts, and they said, hey, what can we do to curb violence? And they said, well, you know, we could do this school assembly. We could try this. And a couple of principals from in Las Vegas were like, hey, we have this um, organization. It's an outside club called FCA. We don't know what they do, but they bring in these speakers. They have these pizzas. They give these kids Bibles. But something tangibly is different on our campus mm. after they leave. Like all the rowdy kids go in there and they they come out and there's like this peace and the violence has actually subsided in our schools because FCA's presence wow. is there. We know it's not FCA. We know it's the presence yep. of Jesus, the Prince of Peace. And so all of a sudden our phone started ringing off the hook because principals are like, what do we got to do to get you on our campus? So in Sin City, wow. we have an open door. We have, we have, we have more open doors than we do staff. So you can pray for us. Like we're, we pray Luke 10 to religiously Lord of the harvest and labors in the harvest field. So good. And what are you guys doing on these campuses? You're doing preaching rallies, giving out pizza. Like what is a, what is a typical FCA? So an FCA huddle is student led. We come alongside our staff, come along students, train them, equip them, and then they'll have uh, between weekly or monthly, we call it huddles or a club. And in those in those huddles, they'll, have a, they'll either they'll speak, we, we equip the students to speak, share their testimony or lead a Bible study, or we have guest speakers come in, someone that has a, uh, it could be a youth pastor, it could be a former uh, athlete, somebody with a testimony, they'll share their faith, and then we always have youth pastors there present. So we That's don't awesome. do a huddle without the local church 
um, being a part of it. And getting these kids plugged in the local That's church right. and seeing massive, you have 50 staff under you, you guys are reaching literally thousands of kids. What an amazing thing. That's FCA. And they can find your information just searching your name, FCA. Yeah. And all your yeah. information pa- comes up. Pacific West FCA. Yep. Okay. You can find his info. Now, I, also, now I want to talk about what we're, our main goal is talking about the godly parenting. Talk to us about, you have six children. Is there something behind having a big family? Because I'm trying to catch up. I have four. I want to have maybe four more. We'll see, God willing. Is there something about you wanting to have a big family? Is it is it something God told you to have? Or what's the story on you having kids, raising your kids? You are like, if there's any guy out there that I would want to have on here to talk about raising godly kids, you are the guy. Now, none of our kids are perfect. We all know that, but man, you have raised such incredible children that are serving the Lord, that are passionate for God. I saw you throughout the last 10 years. You would tell me every morning, me and Noah are getting up, we're reading, we're praying, we're studying. And even before I had kids, like, man, I want to be like that with my kids. Seeing you in the mornings, raking up with Noah, reading the Bible with him, Bible studies. You're very engaged with your kids. You're the guy that's like front row at your kids' game. You're engaged with them in church. You're engaged with them in worship and all the spiritual stuff. Very involved. Talk to us about having kids, raising godly kids, and kind of your story with that. Yeah, so, you know, I don't think I ever wanted to have six kids, um, but I do— I think two but you do kids, really, really love your wife. Yeah. So and then that happens. Yeah. You know? So it's, what it's one of the benefits of marriage. And yeah. so uh, I really, really love my wife. And so I think uh, this is a funny story. There was uh, a service that I went to. Anybody knows Lou Engel out there who used yeah. to do the call? Um, the call. Um, I remember going to a service and Lou Engel was preaching and he was talking about how Christians just don't have a lot of kids anymore. And he was just like, you know, Christians were only having like one kid, two kids, or he's like, you need to have more children because Christians raise Christians. Come on. And he says, there's other religions out there that are literally trying to have as many kids as they can and indoctrinating them at a young age. What about the church? What about Christians? What are we doing? So I came home and said, babe, we got to do our part. Let's have more children. (laughs) So we did. We started just cranking them out. And so, uh, (laughs) thank you to Lou Engel. Yeah, Lou Engel. Yeah. You're the reason. You're my inspiration. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, so we just started having lots of children. And ages, give us your their ages and their names. So I, I so. have uh, Noah, seventeen. I have Judah, who's fifteen. I have Levi, who's twelve. I have Ava, who's ten. I have Tessa Ray, who is eight, and then we have baby Raya Joy, who is a year and a half. Wow, six kids, and I love the names Noah. Judah, Judah, Levi, Levi. You're, you just go straight biblical. You're oh, like, I'm yeah. just going to find all the names in the Bible and name my kids. <laughs> yes. I love it. So let's talk about, we want to give you guys practical steps here. There's many of you watching. This is rarely talked about. When I was looking at what to title and what YouTube videos are out there and doing my nerd research about this topic, there's very few videos. And I thought in 154 episodes, well, 153, tonight's 54, we've never had anyone talking about practical steps. I think me and Jenny Weaver once or twice, we touched on like, 10 step, you know, a couple steps on how to raise your kids in God and things you can do, but very short, very brief, 10, 15 minute teachings. I want to talk about seven practical steps to raising godly kids. And yep. we're, we're not having someone on that has, you know, a three-year-old and a four-year-old. We're talking about someone that has from teenage going to be 18, yeah, all the way to down college. to a one-year-old about to start college, all the way down to a one-year-old, all serving the Lord, all serving God. So my thought is this, when I see you, I think like he has six kids serving God from about to start college to one-year-old, that's the guy I want giving me advice. You know, my oldest daughter's nine, so I'm st- I'm still at that age where the, my kids are young, but now it's like, man, we just did this prayer stream the other night. 
almost two hours, awesome. my daughters were praying, worshiping. They have a love for the Lord. And man, it made me so amazed that my kids would pray for almost two hours. And genuinely, they were engaged. They weren't like, we're bored. Let's go play. My two-year-old was in, or three-year-old was engaged the whole time for two hours. It's like, man, I want kids that are engaged with God. I want kids that worship God. And there's no U-Haul going to be behind my hearse. Like we talked about earlier, my yeah. legacy is my kids. And we've talked to our kids before about that, like, our family is born for such time as this. Our family is different. God has anointed our family. God has called our family. And that's one that's thing right. I think parents don't do is they don't talk to their kids about the call of God on their family's life. Like our family's not a normal family. You're going to see other kids. Why do these kids do that? And we can't. Why do they go there? And we don't. Because we're not like a normal family. We're called by God. We've been anointed for such time as this. This is our moment. And our family is special. And I want to challenge everybody watching. There's over a thousand of you on live right now. Talk to your kids about the call on your family's life. You don't, you don't, our kids are not just normal kids. Like we've been anointed for such a time as this. We're an end time generation and we got to make these sacrifices that other people aren't willing to make raising godly kids. So let's get into this. Guys, get your notebooks. Be ready to take notes, even if it's on your notes app. I don't know if you guys know this. Every phone has a notes app. Ooh. There's no excuse to not take notes tonight. He's going to give us seven practical steps. So let's start with number one. What's the first practical step to raising godly kids so that we can see our kids the way your kids are? Yeah, number one, uh, don't rely on the children's youth, the children's pastor, youth pastor uh, to teach your kids the Bible. Preach. So I know that. Oh, I feel you, it. I feel it. We drop them off and think that's enough. Yeah, we think that that's it. That's what they should do. Listen, your voice has 10 times more weight than even Bishop T.D. Jakes. Come on. You cannot delegate the responsibility of a father and mother have in a child's life. You know, um, as we were talking about discipleship earlier, people are going to have spiritual fathers and mothers. People that are going to come alongside them. Those are really important. And, you know, their words are going to have weight. But as a father and mother, your words have authority, and they are going to remember every single thing that you tell them to do. And so, you know, the big disconnect for me was I, I would always have these kids getting dropped off at youth group, and they would tell me, like, hey, my parents, you know, lift their hands on Sunday, and then they're yeah. clubbing on Saturday, Come you know, on, all sorts preach. of stuff going on. And so they always saw this duplistic lifestyle lived at home. And so I knew when it was time for me to start raising kids, they are going to have to see it true day in and day out. And so... Uh, I remember early when I was youth pastoring and my kids were, you know, really, really young. Parents would always ask me like, hey, could you disciple my kids and, you know, mentor them? I'm like, hey, I don't have time, you know, uh, but I do spend a lot of time early in the morning. So I thought I would tell these parents like, hey, if you really want me to spend time with your kids, drop them off at my house at 5 a.m. <laughs> oh I will spend from 5 to 6 a.m. before my kids wake up and we can just spend time wow. praying together. And so parents actually did that. And, you know, I didn't advertise it. This is before, you know, social media, we weren't like posting anything, but kids would come and get dropped off by their parents. Sometimes their parents would stay. And then for an hour, we would just list, worship and pray. Wow. I was teaching them how to get in the presence of God. And I was doing this for probably like three or four months. And then I started reading in the Bible, second Chronicles, you know, I was listening all the history of the Kings. They either served, served God and did good in the eyes of the Lord, or they did the exact opposite. And I got to King Manasseh, it said he did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and then he even sacrificed his own children in the fire. Ugh. And I just, like, my heart got became, became so heavy. And I remember I was, I was in this season, and Noah, I think, was about eight years old. And I just looked at my son, and I'm like, man, who would do that to their child? And the Holy Spirit spoke to me in that moment and said, Jared, 
you're very capable of doing the same thing, wow. sacrificing your children for the sake of ministry. And so I made, a, I made a promise to God that day. I said, God, before I raise up spiritual sons and daughters, I'm going to raise up my own. So I canceled the, the 5 to 6 a.m. prayer meeting with all of these youth kids, and I started doing it with my son. Wow. And from that point on, like, everything began to change, like, my son and then also the rest of my kids. They started to grow up, you know, not only seeing their parents um, seeking the Lord early in the morning, but they, they experienced the presence of God, not just at church, but in our home. Wow. And, you know, now we do a Bible study before they go off to school every single morning. Um, you know, it's not like a deep thing, but it's usually something that I'll get from God in the morning. And I'll like, you know, because you, you want to feed your children something Come fresh on. that God had just spoken to you. Other times we'll grab some devotionals and different things that FCA provides. But um, we want the Holy Spirit, you know, as, as it said, when Jesus came out of the water, it said the Holy Spirit came and rested on him in the form of a dove, rested and remained on him. Mm. We want we want the Spirit of God to rest and remain on our children so that when they go into schools, like there's something different on them. Come it's on. like they actually can see, like, man, these kids, they're not just behaving good, but there's something different about their countenance. Like they've been with the Lord. So we want that to be in our home. Uh, and then I would say like a bonus thing is you really need to limit screen time for children. Go ahead. Hold on. Let me zoom in on you when you say it. Go ahead and Screen say it again. time for your children. So all throughout the week, Monday through Thursday, we do not allow our kids to have any iPads, any media, no YouTube, oh. no nothing, because we want their minds fresh. We want their minds alert. We also want them to have an appetite, you know, because if they're just getting screen time morning, noon, and night, and it's just so hard, you could just tell, like, they're, they'd start to get dull all of that. And so even for our own children, cell phones, that's a big thing. Like yes. I watched as a youth pastor, the introduction of, of smartphones being given to young kids, eight, nine, 10 years old, because parents thought, Hey, we're helping our kids. They need to be able to get a hold of wow. us. If something happens, the only problem with that was kick and TikTok and Instagram and Twitter were getting hold of the kids at a much earlier age. And they were now getting sexualized. And we watched just this whole generation just go through the yeah, the gauntlet. And so we've chosen as our family not to give our kids uh, cell phones until they're 16, until they become driving. I until agree. They, I'm so on when the they same have, page with so you, So when they have their license, Preach. that's when they get a cell phone. And guess what? It's, can, you can do it as a parent. Yes. You can totally do it. It's totally normal. It doesn't mean anything. And then also, uh, no social media. So my son, he's 17, no social media. Come on. And here's the thing. It's great. Like We, we love playing sports, golf, pickleball. pickleball. Uh, when my son hits a great golf shot, he doesn't ask me to hold the phone Come and post on. a video for him oh, so all of preaching. his friends can like, you know, say, oh, great, great swing, Noah, great shot. You know what he does? He hears my voice. Come on. Great shot, son. That was really good. And he looks into my eyes and he has affirmation from his father. Do you know some of you need to take a break of social media? Come on, Because preach. you stopped listening to the voice of your heavenly father who's trying to tell you like, hey, I'm proud of you. And you're trying to get all of your affirmation from these people that aren't even real. They're just bots. Come you know, on. You, you probably bought them too. Come so on. anyways. <laughs> Throw that in there. <laughs> had to run that last little punch Sorry, before we go. Um, yeah. So I would definitely just encourage you, like, if you're a parent and you've already crossed that line, it's okay. Just take them away and just say, hey, right, let's do a <laughs> <So> podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and and I you know, I want to say something, too, because the thought would be there's a lot of parents that are, which is, this, this is mind-boggling. They're against sheltering their kids. They say, we don't want to shelter our kids. Here's the thing. I'm going to give you guys a tip. If you, if you think you shouldn't shelter your kids, I want you to just 
do something super complicated tonight, Google what a shelter is. Just Google it. Just spend a moment. If you think it's bad to shelter your kids, a shelter is literally protection, protection. during storm. Yeah. And if you don't think we're in a sexual storm, if you don't think we're in a storm of confusion, of perversion, of identity crisis, a storm in Paul, I can name every area of society that is targeting children. We are in a massive storm. And if you're not going to shelter your kids, Who's going to? If you're not going to disciple your kids, their iPad will. If yeah. you're not going to teach your kids about sex, the school will. Right. If you're not going to teach your kids about their identity, their teacher is going to. You have now schools that will literally change the kid's gender and sign a thing saying, we won't tell your parents. And then the kids come to school, they dress different, talk different, and they're referred to as, you know, I'm he, she at school, but I'm a boy at home. And all of these crazy things. And then... We have gender-neutral bathrooms being passed by 2026 in California. Every yeah. school must have gender-neutral bathrooms. Every school by 2026 in California, thanks to our dictator Newsom. <laughs> so now you have all of these schools that have to have... Bro, I can't even imagine when I was in school how... I have to say this because I know all the kids are watching, but how perverted we were as teenagers having bathrooms where boys and girls are in the bathroom together. And now it's going to be... a It's already a law. It's got yeah. signed by the California governor that schools will have to have gender neutral. We would have went crazy. Teen pregnancy is going to skyrocket. And all these kids on TikTok are like, we already know what we're going to do. We can't wait for gender. It's just so perverted now. We have to train our kids. So you might be watching the same. Well, step one, I got to limit screen time. I got to spend. I can't let their. What if they miss out? I, they will miss out. They will miss out on internet pornography. Yep. They'll miss out on seeing suicide videos on TikTok. They'll miss out on addiction. They'll miss out on depression. Preach. They'll miss out on anxiety. They'll miss out on teen pregnancy. They'll miss out all the stuff we went through in the trials we went through not serving God at teenagers. We want our kids to miss out on that. Like I say this and hear me what I'm going to say. Hear it. Don't twist what I'm going to say. I want my four daughters to have the most boring testimony ever. And I say that to say... I want them to get up when they're 18, 19, 20 and say, I don't even, I never was in the world. I never partied. I never drank. I don't want my yeah. kids getting up saying, I drink every day. I like, I have a testimony. I don't want my kids to have that testimony. I want their testimony. And when I say boring, I mean, I don't want it to be full of heartbreak. I don't want it to be full of destruction. I don't want it to be full of witchcraft. And they were involved in magic and they got into the new age. Like, man, I want my kids and your kids. I will testify to this because you can't, well, you could probably say this, but I'm going to say it the happiest kids I've literally ever met, the most helpful kids. I told my wife, I wish we could hire your boys because we go camping, we go to the lake, we go play, anything we go do, they're helping, they're engaged, they're not on their phones, they're looking us in the eye, they're talking, and they're listening to us talk. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know any kids like this. But it goes back to, again, you don't have them on phones all day. You're, yeah. you're limiting their screen time, and they're, they're godly. They're living godly. It's I, all part of that. And I would, I would just add this, like, we take the discipleship of our children really seriously. So like if when people think shelter, they think, oh, we're just trying to basically yep. like keep them from sinning and trying to keep all the bad stuff out. It's not that. Yes, we say no to certain things, but we say yes to other things. We Come say on. yes to the presence of God. We say yes to encouraging each other and helping them pray and prophesy over each other. Like we want that to be um, something normal for them so that when they see dad or mom in the local church on a Sunday morning lifting their hands, they're like, oh, they do this all the time. Come on. Uh, when they see us praying for people in the grocery store, it's not, or it's, it's something that we live out every single day. So I think the reason why our kids behave that way is because they have parents that are actually living it out so that we, we, we love the local church, the local church ad, 
adds to what we are already doing. They're not the sole purpose of discipleship. They That's are so good. They are just an they're just an additive. So know? good. So dropping your kids off at youth group is not enough. It's not enough to just trust the church to do. And and honestly, let's be frank. It's not the youth pastor's job. Yeah. It's not his job to fully disciple your kids to make sure to check in on them. You should be checking in on them. I say this all the time. You should be knowing what they're watching, knowing what they're listening to, knowing who they're talking to. Be up in their business. God did not give you children to be so they can have another friend. Yeah. He called you to parent them. Parenting. And, and some people in the chat are saying, well, it's too late. My kids are grown. Now's the time to pray for them. Now's the time to seek the Lord. And you're going to have grandkids one day. Yes, yes. But for some of you where your kids are young and they're moldable and shapeable, it's never too late to start. They might be mad at you now, but they'll get used to the routine replace don't just take their phone from them replace it with prayer replace yeah. it with waking up early get them excited about god get them encountering god and once they start encountering god getting and, excited about prayer they and, won't miss the yeah phone. and our kids always ask you know we always give them a why behind we the reason we do something we don't just take the phone away we actually provide data and shows how this affects their brain when wow. they ha they're overstimulated. So we'll show them like, hey, this is the reason why we're not allowing you to have a lot of screen time. Hey, this is the reason why we're not having you giving you cell phones. Do you know how much, how this is the most yep. anxious generation yep. to ever be alive on planet Earth? And it's why? Because of social media. It's because of cell phones. It's because of all this technology and this information. Your brain was not wired in such a way to be able to handle all of that. So as your parent... As a father that loves you, I want to protect you from that. Actually, I have a responsibility by God to do that. So good. There's a documentary about all these social media giants, Facebook, Twitter, all the people, and they're all in this documentary, and they're all head of techs in different departments, and you know, iPhone, all this stuff, Apple, they're all working here. All of them unanimously said, you probably know what I'm going to say, yep. we do not allow our kids to use TikTok, Facebook, yep. Instagram. China is the inventor of TikTok, and they have a... I think it's called Do Yang. It's a separate version of TikTok that only allows kids to watch like I think 30 minutes a day and locks them out. So yeah. they're basically shipping us this digital fentanyl and they're giving it to our kids. But the people giving our kids the digital fentanyl like TikTok, Instagram, they don't even let their own kids have it. Yeah. All these giants that are making this, they're like, I would never let my kids be on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. Yet they're selling this digital fentanyl to our kids. It's like a drug dealer that sells fentanyl that's killing people, but the drug dealer's like, I would never let my kids do these drugs, but I'm selling it to other people's families and kids. So no, no, no. I agree with you. If you're not driving, you don't need a cell phone. Like yeah. you don't need a cell phone. And we're, guys, we want to be clear. He just said they limit, you said Monday through Thursday. Yep. They limit the screen time. So we're not saying take their iPad, take their game they play, take their whatever, and they never could be on any video game. They never could be on any phone or any iPad, never any entertainment. We're saying limit it. Limit how much time they're on there. Like you said, Monday through Thursday, yep. and then explain to them why you're limiting it. I don't think there's anything wrong with them watching a TV here and there or watching a movie or, or playing a little game on their iPad, but when you're when that's all they're doing, when they're consumed by this dopamine release and kids' yeah, brain right. aren't even aren't even developed enough to understand why they're getting this dopamine. Like, why is your kid on TikTok? I don't understand. Some of you let your kids on TikTok? You're letting an so algorithm dangerous. tell them what to watch? If my kids are over my shoulder, I tell them all the time, don't look at my phone. I don't want you looking. Even if it's my own Instagram, TikTok, whatever, you don't need to be on social media, That's especially right. if I'm scrolling on TikTok, not knowing what's coming up next. And, you know, I recently I've been following, well, everybody has, everything going on with Israel. So my algorithm right wow. now is all the videos of what's going on in Israel. I don't want my kids seeing all this just devastation and all the crazy things that I'm looking at watching what's happening in Israel. So be very careful what your kids are watching. Okay, 
What's number two? Give number us step two. two. So uh, step one is step don't one. rely just on the, pa- the youth yeah. pastor. Yep. And then step two is take them to places where the spirit is moving. Come on. This is so very important. When you hear that there's a move of God happening in a local church or a prayer meeting, do whatever you can. Sacrifice, you know, soccer practice, whatever it is, homework. Get them in the room. That is so important. Like, I will drive countless hours, and I have. I mean, when the call uh, was happening in Azusa Street, we drove all through the night just to get there the next morning to have our kids in that environment where all these hungry people are worshiping the Lord, crying out day and night for their fasting and praying, ending for the ending of abortion. Like, we want our kids to be able to experience God. Uh, Recently, our local church was having a a meeting, um, like a three-day conference, and I, my daughter Ava, who's 10 years old, was like, Dad, can I leave the family row and go back there with my friends? And I was like, oh, okay. And I turn around after like two songs, and there's my daughter with her hands up just worshiping God. Because she's got friends, and because she's encountering the Lord, like, I'm going to like, anytime this is happening at this church, like, we're going to be here. I remember driving all the way to Fresno because there was meetings going on with a pastor. I'm just and telling our kids like, hey, it's really important that we just get there because God's moving supernaturally. Come and on. just one moment can change everything. We went to a Holy Spirit conference and my son Judah, I think he was like six years old and they actually had the same the same conference going on for children. So they had an adult Come conference on. and children in there. And my son gets in the car. I'm like, hey, how was it? He goes, Dad, I, I felt this overwhelming joy that I've never felt before in my life. And I'm like, for me, I'm like, dude, I didn't even care if the if the sermon was boring. Come but on. But because my kids experienced that, like, I, I'll do anything. So, like, you have to make sacrifices. So if you're looking at the schedule and you're like, oh, the, the football game's on. We're not going to the prayer meeting. I'm like, get to the prayer yes. meeting. Do whatever you can to get your kids in that environment. That's so good. And, you know, when these revivals are breaking out, a lot of people, don't be a revival chaser. Don't be one. Listen. God's manifest presence doesn't break out everywhere all the time. If God is doing something special in a certain place, don't be afraid to make the drive, buy the plane ticket. Hey, guys, I know we usually go to Demon Land. I mean, Disneyland. But this year, we're not going to Demon Land. I mean, Disneyland. We're actually going to go to the revival. We're going to make it fun. We're going to get a hotel. We're going to go to the services. And also, I want to say this. If the uh, children's ministry is not, you know, fiery or Holy Ghost like that, don't be afraid to bring, bring your in, kids yeah, bring into, into the, the adult service or don't be afraid to leave the service at the end of the sermon, go get your kids, bring them back into the service right before the altar time right. and get them into that altar time. Get them into the service and just say, hey, look, wherever God's showing up, I want to get my kids in that environment because I'm getting them in the environment of the world. I'm bringing them to sports, praise God. I'm bringing them to the theme parks. I'm bringing them to hang out at their friend's house. I'm taking them to the movies. I'm doing all the, I'm getting them in the environment of the world. Why would I not get them in the environment of the Holy Spirit? So I'm a a firm believer. Some people will push back and say, oh no, God's presence is everywhere. No, (laughs) yes, God's presence is everywhere, but God doesn't manifest himself in a tangible way everywhere. There's a difference between God fills all time, all space, all place, which he does. God is all places, all time, everywhere. So I don't want to be heretical when I say that, but God's manifest presence is not always showing up everywhere. That's right. There's a lot of dead churches where the presence of God, and you look at Revelation, Jesus literally says, oh, by the way, I'm outside the door of the church knocking. If anybody will hear me and open, I'll come in and I'll dine with them. So God's tangible presence is not always everywhere. So get them in that presence, whether that's starting a prayer meeting and say, hey, I don't, some of you right now are like, I don't know where to find the presence of God. 
Find it in your living room. Start praying in your living room. Call upon the presence yeah, of God. That's right. Lay down a sacrifice where the fire of God will fall. I think Smith Wigglesworth said a statement. It's like, if God's not moving, I'll move him. And the statement sounds cocky, but it's not. He understood that the fire falls on sacrifice. And if I sacrifice before God, that might be, I'm going to sacrifice my Friday night and I'm going to have a prayer meeting at my house and I'm going to make an altar in my living room and the fire of God's going to show up and touch my kids. Make it exciting for them. Make it fun for them. Make it a time of his presence and get him into the presence of God. Am yeah. I missing anything on that? No, that's great. And I would say too, is like, as they get comfortable in that, um, you know, you get to watch them start ministering too. Come on. Uh, I was speaking at a local church and I remember my, um, uh, every time we would do a, you know, the closing altar call, my son Noah would go out and I was like, hey son, you're going to go pray. And one particular conference I get done speaking and um, we're hanging out, all the kids are with me and this, this couple comes up to me and said, hey, we wanted to talk to you. We just wanted to wait for everybody to kind of leave, but um, your son gave us a prophetic word. Wow. And... He talked to us about how he saw us, he saw me, and the dad's talking, he's like, as a firefighter, and I was like protecting my family from all of these fires, and I was going in and rescuing people, and this man with tears in his eyes just starts crying, he's like, I have been fighting for my children and my grandchildren, wow. for so much. I'm the only one in my family that's doing this, and he goes, and sometimes I felt like God didn't see me or hear me, but your son stepped out in faith and shared this word, and it brought so much courage and hope into wow. me, he's like, whatever you're doing with those kids, keep doing it, I just wanted to tell you, like, and so for me as a dad, I'm like, man, you know, it's so awesome because first you're bringing those kids into the environment so they can get a taste of it. But now they're actually ministering in Come that on. environment, too. So that's the goal. The goal is like, yes, it's going to you might get pushback as a parent because you're going to another conference. You're going to another service. You're going to another prayer meeting. But let me tell you, when your kids start living it out, it's going to be worth it. It's going to be Come worth on. everything. It's it's so amazing because at the end of all of this and we talked about this earlier the end of all of this, when your streaming's done and my sermons yes. are gone, only thing that's going to be living is our children. And they're not going to care how many souls were saved if theirs weren't saved by you. Wow. And as a dad, like we have to invest in our own children and we have to actually lead them and show them this is what it means to follow Christ. So And good. so... Number three. Yeah, number three. So number two was get them in the presence of God. Yep. These are so good, by the way. I'm like, oh, these are so good. I hope someone's taking notes in my house. Number two is get them in the presence of God. Number three is? Spend time asking family and friends about what miracles they've seen. It's good. This is so important because you may not have, uh, you know, people around you, but find those, like, some of those old grandmas in the church that got you the oil. You do this to me all the time. You're like, tell the boys. He'll come over and be like, tell the boys about the Literally. house when the revival started. And you get me to tell them the testimonies of my early days, the That's house, right. the revival. So getting them around people to share testimonies. Yeah, so, you know, hanging out with Isaiah, I was like, hey, Isaiah, tell them about the early days yeah. that when you weren't sleeping and, and, yeah. and all these miracles are breaking out. Here's, here's what would happen. Everyone has heard about like the miracle crusades that used to take place, you know, in the, in the 60s, 50s and 60s with all these healing evangelists. When they would um, gather at a, a tent or if they were in a stadium, all they would do all day long was share testimonies mm, about what so God good. has been doing in miracles. And so as they're hearing the testimonies, Guess what happens even before the minister steps on stage? People start getting healed. Come on. Miraculous because the atmosphere of faith has just happened and people are, are so hungry and so expectant. So you have to create that atmosphere for your children. So you get, so anytime we're around the dinner table and my parents are there, I'll always ask my mom and dad, hey, mom, dad, tell us about the early days of revival Come when on. you saw it. And man, you see my, my parents' countenance begins to change. I remember my mom talking to us about, 
this time when they when they left Southern California and moved to Nevada in the middle of nowhere. She said, honey, my your grandpa, the one that was discipling me, he gets this word from God that there's going to be a revival in Nevada. And so uh, me and your father, um, grandma and grandpa, we all move and we're doing construction at the time. So your dad and grandpa would frame houses during the day and then at night they'd have a Bible study. And and then at the Bible study, your grandfather would teach about walking in the Spirit. Nobody had even heard about the Holy Spirit. Wow. And so it's kind of like, you know, the disciples like, what? There's a Holy Spirit? Yeah. What are you even talking about? And so people were, were getting uh, hearing about the Holy Spirit, the Bible study, and then my dad would pray for him, and people were getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so all of a sudden, that's happening Monday night. Tuesday night, they get an invitation to the next city. So still doing construction, little, little tiny city. Monday night, they're in Smith Valley. Tuesday night, they're in Yarrington, Nevada. And then a Tuesday night, as they're doing the Bible study, the same thing starts to happen. People start getting filled with the Spirit. Revival's breaking out. Come on. And then all of a sudden, this local church is like the biggest Baptist church in town. Uh, the pastor's son meets my dad. My dad invites him over, him and his sister. They both get filled with the Spirit. Go Come home, tongue-talking, tongue you know, filled with the Spirit. Yes, people speak in tongues. And Come so on. they're speaking in tongues. Their dad, who doesn't believe in it, is like, what in the world? My kids are, you know, tongue talkers now. They're praying, you know, what in the world? And <laughs> you so, do them. Yeah. So he's part of the largest Baptist church in the city. He calls one of his only friends that was like Assemblies of God pastor and says, what do I do? My kids, I don't even believe in this stuff. He goes, read your Bible and just, you know, pray. This is all I'm going to tell you. So that guy... That night at four in the morning, nobody's there. gets radically baptized in the Holy Spirit, starts speaking in tongues. His church goes into full-blown revival. They get kicked out of the Baptist church, <laughs> and they become a vineyard church. And to this day, like, those wow. people that were a part of that, when I started leading FCA in Northern California, Nevada, some of our staff are connected to the people that got saved and filled with the Spirit at that church. Wow. So there's just like all these things. So That's we get so to, crazy. So we hear these stories about people that have been trusting God. So when you ask people to share those testimony, it invigorates faith, and it just it creates this atmosphere where miracles can happen. That's so good. You know, the Bible says there was a generation that was raised up that did not know the Lord their God or right. the works he performed. So somewhere in the Old Testament— they stopped telling the stories of Egypt. They stopped telling yeah. how the Lord brought them out. And the Bible says they weren't sharing. Because remember, back then, it was oral tradition. So everything was being passed down orally. It was telling stories, telling stories, telling stories. That's why God kept telling them, build a monument. Build a monument. It's like, why are we building monuments? If you don't build a monument of stones, you'll forget what I did here. So after they'd crossed the Red Sea, the Lord would say, build a monument. Why? So later generations could know what the Lord God has done. Like you're saying, hear the testimonies. Yep. Well, then the people, they stopped sharing stories at the dinner table. And there was, a, think about this, an entire generation where no sto stories were shared, no oral tradition, and the people, the Bible says, forgot the Lord their God. Think about that. They forgot about God. They didn't know about him. Why? Because parents stopped sharing the stories. Oh man, you should have been there when we walked through the Red Sea and all those chariots were behind us and the waves came crashing and the chariot wheels were flying up. We were in Egypt and the, and the Lord brought plagues. They were giving those stories and then someone stopped. Someone stopped telling stories. So don't be the generation that stops telling stories. Don't be the, like if I don't tell my kids the stories of the Castle Road Revival in 2011 and the 10 years we were in revival in the living room. If I don't tell my kids that story, then my kids won't tell their kids and their kids. And then in a hundred years, my testimony, my the revival that God did in my life, no one will ever know about it. It, will, right. it will just be 
it will die. So that oral tradition is telling the kids your story, telling your kids to share stories, and giving that oral tradition at the dinner table in the car is so important. So guys, don't undervalue the importance. It's a biblical idea, sharing testimonies. Some of you have never told your kids your testimony. My kids are getting to the age now where they're like, wait, daddy, you drank? Wait, they're starting to figure things out and they're asking me questions like, yeah, me and mommy weren't always Christian. You know, we used to do this. We And so I'm... I'm telling them in a censored way of like what I used to do and how God saved me. And slowly as they're asking me, I'm sharing, but guys, as your kids get older, start sharing your story and testimonies with them. So good. Um, I like what you say. Our kids have perverted and perverse voices all around all them. All around them. Yes. You need to be that voice of truth. You That's need right. to be that voice of reason. Like the bottom line is this, our kids are getting preached to all week long. And if you think a 90 minute sermon or a 90 minute youth group, Jesus is enough to combat the voice of the enemy all week being preached to them. You got to be that voice. You got to open your mouth and you got to start sharing. Did I miss anything there? Nope, that's great. So spend time asking about miracles, what friends and family have seen, get him in that position. All right, what is number four? Do life with families who are hungry for God. Hey, this is, this is that's so a good one. All of these important. are so good. These are so practical, but so good. Say it again. Sorry, I, I cut Do you life off. with families who are hungry for God. Um, you know, look for these people, spend time with them, be persistent. You know, they're going to have keys to the parenting that you actually need for your kids. And if you will, if you will actively just invite yourself over, spend time with them, like it's so important that you spend time with people that are, you know, pursuing God like you. Yes. Um, Like part of why we started hanging out 10 years ago is because I saw how hungry you and Alyssa were. This is before you guys even had kids. Yeah. And I just wanted you guys around our family. And I wanted you guys because I, I found that so many other friends of mine, you know, we would get together and we would just talk about nonsense. And for you, you were just like yep. buzzing about the Lord and revival and all the miracles that you're seeing. And I'm like, man, that's what I want. I actually want people that are going to stir my heart, stir my faith, that are going to encourage me instead of me getting lulled to sleep and just being, you know, uh, complacent all the time. I want somebody that like makes me hungry for the word of God. And so spend time with those people. Uh, recently at, at church, we, we met a, some friends and we've been spending time with them and one of their daughters, uh, shout out to the Stave family if you're watching, their daughter uh, was turning 16, and we got invited over for a birthday party. So our family came over, uh, the Fitzgeralds came over, Williams girls, um, and so we're just all hanging out, the Loftus family. As we're hanging out, uh, we're just, you know, talking about different things, and and all of a sudden the mom says, hey, I want, uh, my daughter wants you guys to pray for her for her birthday. So, wow. like, to the parents, we're like, okay, hey, let's go pray for your daughter, bless her on her, on her sweet 16. And uh, we get in the living room, we all surround her, and then all of a sudden, before we could start praying, the parents, the kids start praying. Wow. And the kids start praying and prophesying over her, and I mean, we couldn't even, the adults couldn't even get, you know, a chance to even say anything, and I'm over here like, oh my gosh, this is going on for like 30 minutes, and I'm like, this is amazing. At my 16th birthday, we were wow. like playing spin the bottle yeah. and pass the bong. And here yeah. they are praying and prophesying. My son Noah's doing it. My, my son Levi, my son Judah, they're all praying and speaking words of life over this young lady. And, uh, you know, finally, after like 30 minutes, the kids are going back for seconds, you know, and, and so the dad's, the dad's like, all right, that's enough, you know. <laughs> I was like, are we quenching the yeah, spirit? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm sitting around in this living room talking to one of the dads, and he's just like, man, this is what I've been crying out for. Mm. Like, this is what I've been believing the Lord for, is that my kids would actually have friends and that we could have families that are all pursuing God together. 
and we started talking about parenting Isaiah and we started and then all of a sudden as we're talking about parenting I just have this realization that this is not because I'm a good parent like what's happening right now is because they're actually attached to the vine Jesus says I'm the vine you're the branches Apart from me, you can do nothing. But if you're attached to me, you're going to bear fruit. So the supernatural life Come of Christ on. is flowing in my children and out of my children. So there was just this supernatural like revelation moment for me, just realizing that my kids are now attached to the vine. And the same thing's happening in your children. Yeah. How can how can little kids spend you know an hour and a half praising God and worshiping Him? It's because they're actually attached to the vine. It's good. Yep. Yeah, finding those friends is invaluable. Those people that will worship, that will pray alongside you, that will be there for you. You, They're out there. They're out there. You got to find them. And also, I want to add this, Jared. Be those friends. Mm-hmm. Don't just look. Don't, don't just be the person that's always looking for someone to attach to and try to hobo someone's anointing like Saul when he lost his anointing. You got to also be someone that goes, I'm going to be a solid Christian. I'm going to have a godly family to show and be an example to other people and, and hang around people that convict you. It's like, oh, every time I hang out with them, they, we feel convicted. Those are the people that you want to be around. Yeah. Don't get around people that tell you your lukewarmness is okay. Don't get around people that tell you your spiritual deadness is okay. Don't get around people that have no fire. It's like, I don't know why I don't have fire. It's because all your friends don't have fire. There are people in your church Get around them, hang out with them, do whatever you have to do. Hey, let's hang out. Hey, let's get together. I want to be around your kids. I want to be around your family. Some of the things we're telling you guys, you're going to have to step out of your comfort yeah, zone. Yeah, you have well, to. Well, my husband doesn't really like. Guess what? It's not about your husband liking their husband or the wife liking. It's about our kids being in a godly environment, having godly friends. So we have to get over ourselves and hang around the right people. I'm telling you right now, if you're hanging out with people that are drinking, if you're hanging out with people that are vaping, if you're hanging out with people that are just half in, half out, I promise you their kids are like that too. That's right. So you get them alone with your friends hanging out and your friends are in compromise, likely their kids are in compromise. Their kids are going to rub off on your kids. Your kids are going to start acting different. So do not hang out with these wishy-washy, lukewarm, half-in, Baskin-Robin Christians that are have it your way, 31 flavors. You got to go around Christians that are passionate, radical, on fire so that you can I, I want to hang out with people that I want to be like. I'm not going to, I'm trying to get better, better at pickleball. I'm not going to be hanging out with people that don't know how to play pickleball. I'm just saying, <laughs> I got to hang out with someone that's better than me at pickleball. So where's Noah, Noah at? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So you got to hang around people that will challenge you and take you to the next level. So if we're, if you guys are missing a point in the chat, other people are repeating them. Just type what number you're missing. Someone will type it out. Um, all right, number five. This is one of my favorite ones. Give yeah. us number five. Talk about your relationship with God in the car. So Good. everyone's in the car. Everybody's taking all drives. You're, you're, tra- you're taking your kids to and from school. Uh, um, before my son started driving uh, to school and I was driving all the kids to school, we would pray in the car. We it's would good. actually, we'd have a 20-minute commute and we would, we would pray. Every one of my kids would take turns praying and we would pray for certain needs. Um, That's so good. In the car. They can't go nowhere. You're stuck. And it just becomes a a normal routine. And so now that Noah's driving, he actually leads all his siblings in prayer too. So all of them pray as they drive to school. Come on. Um, Like even yesterday, I was in the car heading to Costco. Yes, I love Costco. Um, (laughs) Six six kids. kids, You know we live at Costco. Yeah, yeah, you have to be there. And I was asking Judo, I said, hey, Judo, I'm going to be on this podcast, podcast with Isaiah and talk about parenting. And I was like, what have you noticed from your perspective about us versus other parents. And he said, he just said this, he goes, it's very obvious that, you know, people on Sunday live differently at homes because you can see how their children act. Wow. You can see how they behave. You can see that when I go to their house, I can actually tell the difference of parents that are actually serving the Lord or just putting it on a show on Sunday. 
And so like my kids have noticed and he's like, dad, like everything's normal for us. Like what we see on Sunday, you guys do normal in the house. And so I, you know, early on, I, I think Noah was probably eight years old, my oldest son. I remember this one time we're, we're leaving a family uh, barbecue and we're driving and I will always listen to worship music. Some people think I'm weird, you know, because I'm not listening to all the, the latest hits. But honestly, for me, the amount of like pressure I'm under, the yeah. enemy wants me to quit and give up and compromise and all that. I actually enjoy just having the presence of God around me all the time instead Come of on. fighting all the demons from other things. Come on. So I'm always listening to worship music. And I remember driving with Noah one more uh, one evening and literally I could just, I'm worshiping the Lord in the car. I could feel the presence of God. And he starts talking to me. Noah's like talking to me. But as he's talking to me, I'm like, man, something like there's something on what he's saying right now. And so I start asking Noah questions like, son, you know, dad's going through a lot right now at this particular moment in my life. You know, I didn't know what was next for me. I was trying to figure out, like, am I going to be a youth pastor forever? Am I going to be a missionary? Am I going to be a senior pastor? And I was trying to figure out what to do. And so I'm like, son, you know, what do you think dad needs to do with his life? And I'm asking him this question, and then at eight years old, I'll never forget this moment, you know, the presence of God is in our car. He says this to me. He says, Dad, if you keep try- if you keep worrying about titles and positions, you'll never make a difference in people's lives. Wow. Ooh. And I just heavy. start weeping and crying, and I'm like, man, son, God, God just spoke through you. I needed to hear that. And so why is this important? So it's because good. you want your kids just like... Samuel, who was raised in the presence of God, starts hearing the voice of God. Imagine if you're praying, asking God, God, will you speak to me? God, I need to have an answer. And you're literally stewarding the presence of God in your vehicle. All of a sudden, your five-year-old in the back seat starts speaking to you, giving you a word. Wouldn't that just change everything? Then all of a sudden, it wouldn't be weird anymore. You'd, this would be normal. It's like, actually, like, yeah, our kids, we love the presence of God, and they hear the voice of God, and they're so speaking to good. us. So good. So good. In the car, talk about God, talk about your relationship, pray and worship. These are things I think no one thinks about. I've, I haven't thought of these. I'm like, man, in, you know, we do, we worship in the car, and my kids all will sing this, their favorite worship song, but making it, in, like you're saying, be intentional about it. Yes. Like, we're in the car, we already are all together, rather than just be silent or just listen to music. Let's pray. Let's talk about God. Let's worship. And, and talk about what you read in the morning. That's what Good. I love doing. And if I'm picking them up from like a soccer practice, I'm like, hey, hey, son, this is what the Lord spoke to me this morning. And then asking them like, hey, what did you do? Like, what did you hear? Did you have any interactions? Almost like it's expectant. Like wow. we're talking about these things because this is an ongoing conversation that continually happens all day long. And we want it to be normal. We want like normal Christianity is having a connection with the Lord and following the voice of the Holy Spirit. So good. It's like you're discipling them like the Bible tells us to. (laughs) This is amazing. And some of you, you know, I get it. It's hard to have kids. If you, if you're like already just, okay, I'm not going to go there. Let's go to number six. Number six. I was going to give a little word of rebuke, but you know, I've been beating them up already tonight. Let's go to number six. Uh, So this is really important. Um, invite your children to pray over the needs that you have because they are going to see answers and they're going to see miracles. So So anytime my wife and I, we would be going through something, if there's like a tangible need, we invite our kids to pray with us. We're like, hey, you got to pray for this. You know, there's been a generation that had grown up that like parents like hid everything from their kids. Like they didn't want to have any stress, nothing. The kids didn't know anything was going on. We actually do the exact opposite. Like Hey, we need a house. Like mm. we don't know where we're going to live in the next 3 months because we're we're getting, you know, the people we're renting from, 
um, said they're selling the place, and so we got to go somewhere. We don't know what to do. So kids, we need to pray and Come ask on. God to provide a house for us. And I just remember like us praying and contending and just believing and kids, and it was so awesome because if you if you take if you take um, childlike faith that Jesus said, unless you become like a child, yes. you never see the kingdom. You match that with their with their prayers. All of a sudden, it's just a recipe for miracles. And so we've watched our kids. They've seen so many miracles and so many testimonies happen because they've been invited into praying for not only people to get healed, people to get out of the hospital, people, uh, but tangible things like um, I needed a car and, and I was like, hey, my son started driving my car. And so I'm like, hey, kids, we need to pray that... Um, you know, God gives dad a car and they're like, okay. So after th three months, you know, they're like, dad, when are you going to buy a car? I'm like, I'm not buying a car. <laughs> I'm on. not buying a car. Like God's going to provide a car. I do. N I can't afford to go get a car payment and I'm not going to do it. And then literally like three weeks later after that moment, someone calls me and is like, I'm going to give you a car wow. and gives me a car. And so like they watch that happen. And so when they start to have their own needs and they start to pray, they're going to go back and go, God, just like you provided a house for my parents, just like Come you provided on. a car, just like you got grandpa out of the hospital when the doctor said he was only going to have two months to live. And now as you know, 20 years later, you are the same God that did that. And they saw it as their childhood and they remembered the miracles. That's so good. So invite them to pray over needs. And the Bible says that, you know, an answered prayer makes your joy full without seeing prayers answered. We don't have joy as Christians. So you need to ask your kids to pray with you, to pray for you. And then when they see the miracle, they'll say, oh, that's the answer to the prayer I prayed. And it gives them faith in God to know that, man, God is hearing my prayer and God is answering my prayer. One last, one last yeah, go story on that. I remember when I was in a youth group, um, I was praying, or I just got done preaching. I was up at the front and kids were able to respond, you know, coming forward for prayer. And this girl, Hannah, runs over to me and she's like, Pastor Jared, Pastor Jared. That's what they used to call me. There was a pastor in front of my name. Pastor Jared, Pastor Jared, hey, can I um I need you to pray for me. God just told me that he's gonna get healed, that he's gonna heal me. And I'm like, okay, what well, what's wrong, Hannah? You have like a backache, something going on. She goes, No, like, have you seen my legs? And so I was like, What do you mean? She goes, you know, I was born and my feet were bowed out like this. And the doctor said the only way to like fix it is they're gonna have to break some of my bones and like reattach everything. And she's like, I don't want that surgery. I was like, No, I don't want you to have that surgery either. And so literally I'm sitting there, and I don't feel faith. I'm like, man, mm. I don't know what to do. I see Noah. It was the summertime, and so Noah's always coming to church with me. I was like, Noah, come here. I'm going to have you pray. Noah prays for this girl, Hannah. And, you know, when you pray for people and God does a manifest miracle, sometimes you'll feel bones move, all that kind of stuff. And literally, like, we start praying for her, and all of a sudden, she takes off running. She runs down the aisle runs down, she goes, look at my legs, look at my feet, and her feet were perfectly straight. Come her best on. friend starts crying. Her best, her best friend's just crying and everything, and I'm like, what in the world is happening? And I honestly believe it wasn't my prayer. I believe it was my son's prayer. It was this Come childlike on. faith from a child. That night, we go, we're on our way home, and Candace, my wife, texts me and says, hey, can you stop by Walmart and get some milk? So we go to Walmart, grab some milk, and I see this guy in a um, you know little motorized cart. And he's got a cane, and he gets in it, and he starts going. And Noah's like, "Dad, we should pray for him." I'm like, "All right." So I mean, you Noah, lead. I'll he's, follow. He's got I'll this expectation. You. So we go into Walmart, and I was like, "Hey, sir, excuse me, could I um, could I ask you a question?" He's like, "Yeah." I go, "What happened to your leg?" And he goes, "Oh, I was in a car accident 20 years ago. I've been in pain ever since. I got this cane, and you know, I can barely walk without it." And I said. We just came from a church service where this girl just got miraculously healed by Jesus. And 
my son and I want to know, can we pray for you? And he's like, um, okay. I said, like, we want to pray for your leg right now. Can we put our hands on your leg? And he goes, sure. So, like, we just put our hands on our knee. We just pray. Wow. Noah prays with me. And then the guy's like, thank you. I said, no, no, sir, can you test out your leg? And he goes, oh, okay. So he stands up, gets out of his cart, grabs his cane, and then he goes, puts his cane in. He walks about like 10, 15 feet, turns around, his eyes are like this big, and he goes, I have no pain. I have no pain. And I'm like, well, praise the Lord, dude. Jesus just healed you. And he goes, and he, you know, he wanted to hug me. He just shakes my hand. He's like, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Amazing. And, you know, we, we start heading to the milk aisle, and Noah's like, Dad, we got to pray for everyone, you know? So <laughs> the whole Walmart's just, getting yeah, healed. He was ready to lay hands on everyone. But childlike faith. That childlike faith. They haven't gone through all the disappointment Come that we on. have. They haven't gone through all the, like, oh, man, you didn't heal Uncle Johnny or something like that. They have this faith of just like when you were reading the Bible, and Nino's like, Isaiah, yes, you can do, you can do everything. But so many of us have had disappointments, so we always try to steer people away from, oh, we don't want their we don't want their faith to get tainted. We don't want their faith to, you know, all this stuff. And what we're doing is we're throwing water on their fire and we're trying to keep them protected. Wow. But instead, you're not actually helping them grow. Come on. And so you want your kids to be able to do that. So invite them to pray with you. So good. Invite them for prayer. Have that prayer night. Join the stream. Have the prayer night. Number seven. This is the last one. And then at the end. I will scroll through all of them for those of you that missed each one. Some of you are like, what's two? What's three? I'll say them all fast. And then I'm going to have Jared pray for all of us yep. that want to be godly parents. We were like, I wonder how long we'll go. It's been an hour and a half. And we're still rolling. We're still yep. feeling good. So number seven. All right. This is really big. Um, obsess over Christ. Not like your Dallas Cowboys. Okay? There so you go. Sorry for Obsess all you... over Christ, not, <laughs> not the Cowboys. So sorry for or, all you Cowboy or, fans. Or any sports yes. team show. Disneyland, whatever you're obsessed with. Ran over those cowgirls the other night. It was embarrassing. We just lost about 100 viewers there. (laughs) So be Uh, obsessed with Christ, not your sports team. Your sports team. Not your movie. Not not your your movies, your entertainment, all of that. I mean, your job. Yeah, your constant conversations. Jesus says the overflow of your heart, your mouth's going to speak. Jesus is literally saying the overflow of what's flowing in is going to dictate your speech, your Mm. language. And your kids are picking up on all of that. They know, like, if dad is, like, sitting in church and he's just, you know, like, really passive and everything and just like, okay, what time's the game going to start? And then he gets in front of the TV and he's screaming Screaming. and shouting. Acting like he's in the game getting paid. Bro, you're not even getting paid and you're shouting. Yes, it's like... I mean, are you consumed with the sports team? Are you consumed with your stock market? Are you consumed with all of these other things? Your kids watch all that, and they're going to follow in your footsteps. That's why it's so important. Like, you need to obsess over your relationship with the Lord. That's why I keep going back to, like, you need to be in the car talking about it. You need to be asking friends and family about their testimonies. You need to not rely solely on the church to disciple your kids. It's your responsibility. All of these things matter. Um, And like when people are like so tied into sports, I'm a part of a sports ministry. Yep. I understand it. Like we love athletes using their influence for Christ. But as a parent, when you've got every single flag from the teams that you you worship every Sunday or Come every on. weekend, and yet you have nothing for the Lord, like your kids are like gonna follow in those footsteps. And imagine like you see people that are like discouraged, you know, on Monday because their team's lost on Sunday and they're just, you know, down in the dumps and everything. Like their emotional health was somehow tied into a team's performance. Wow. What if our emotional health was tied into the kingdom's performance? Like, dude, we would be on cloud nine right now. Yeah. Like we're literally seeing revival break out in schools. We saw revival break 
down Asbury College. We saw revival where people were getting baptized in a in a, a college's lake the other day, like hundreds of kids getting yeah. baptized. Like we would be amazed. We would be celebrating all the time. Like you're seeing this too, Isaiah, yeah. with everything. Yeah, it's amazing that people will be mad that their favorite team lost, but aren't mad that their whole family's lost. Like your whole family's <laughs> lost and broken, and you're moping around mad that the 49ers or the Raiders lost the game. And there's guys that they'll hear me preach, and of course I'm loud, I scream, I run around, I jump, all that. We're very passionate. They, a lot of older guys will say, or men, or you know, we deal with guys deal with pride. I'm just not passionate like that. It's like, no, you are passionate. You're just not passionate about God. That's right. You're, everybody is passionate about something. You're just passionate about your stocks, your cryptocurrency, your sports, your UFC. Because at the UFC thing, you're there early. You're watching the weight. You're watching a grown man get weighed, and you're excited. You're screaming. You're shouting. I love this guy. I'm like, why would you not shout over the things of the Word of God? Why are you not passionate about God? You're passionate about all your favorite boxers, all your favorite UFC yeah. fighters. Some of you fantasy football guys, like you're literally living a fantasy. You know every name of every guy, yet you don't. You can't name two Old Testament prophets. You can't <laughs> name. You're like, what's a minor prophet? I didn't even know there was minor prophets. Yet you know every football player. You know every stat. You know. You know like how many yards the guy threw last year. I'm like, how? And you're obsessed with the things of this world, but you have no passion for God. To me, it's like jump, scream. Jump in front of the TV and pretend you're blocking the field goal at the Super Bowl. Do all your stuff. I don't have no problem. I'm glad you're passionate, but keep that same energy at church. Yeah. Keep that same energy for God. Like, I'm not going to be more excited, and I've always said this. If I get into a sport hobby, I'll never let my excitement for the hobby or the sport be more than it is for God. I'll never I'll, I'll never praise harder with whatever hobby I'm doing than I am going to be praising at the altar. So if your kids see you shouting for your favorite fighter or your favorite football player, great. Just keep that same energy on Sunday morning when there's a guest preacher screaming and shouting and you're sitting there quiet with your arms crossed saying, well, I'm missing the kickoff. I'm missing the game. I could be tailgating. It's like, yeah, you could be tailgating, but you could also be worshiping and praising at the altar. So Preach. life is all about priorities. Every one of us have a God. The atheist worships himself. Everybody has an idol. Everybody has a God. There's no one in human history that isn't passionate. We're yeah. all passionate about something. It's just deciding like, man, I want to be passionate about God. I want to be excited about the things of God. I don't want to just shout at a football game. I don't want to just paint half my body green and half my body silver <laughs> and be a negative 20 degree in Wisconsin shouting for the Green Bay Packers. I also want to be at the altar praising and shouting. Like what if your kids saw you worshiping and praising as hard as you praise your team at church or at home? Like That's imagine right. they actually saw you praise at home. Like, whoa, dad's yelling. What's dad yelling about? Oh, it's not a UFC fight. Dad's shouting, crying out to God, yes. naming all yes. of our unsafe family members, Absolutely. saying, Lord, I petition you, save my grandkids, save my kids, save my uncle. Like you're shouting the name of your unsafe family, petitioning, coming before the, the Supreme Court of heaven, yes. saying, Lord, save my kids. But yet you're shouting about grown men in tight pants chasing pigskin. And there's no problem with that. Just keep that same energy. Be excited about God. We just have so much, so much hypocrisy. I had to go off there. You're no, when good. you start talking about that, you're you're inviting me to offend people. <laughs> you're speaking my language. You're speaking my language. Yeah, so we need to be excited about God. And you know, there's a lot of you excited about money. It's like cool, but money is just a resource. It's gonna yeah, pass away. It's absolutely right. Don't be just excited about money. Hey. I, if I have to stop working overtime to get to the prayer meeting, I'm going to stop working overtime. If I have to cut back and can't buy the new this, the new that, because I want to be at the prayer meeting, I'm going to sacrifice 
Why is it we always sacrifice God? Why do we always sacrifice prayer? Why can't we sacrifice the overtime and the money and the things of this world? God always gets the short end. He always is the third priority. He's always on the back burner. It's always my theme park, my sports, my new car, and then God gets the leftovers. Like we need to change our priorities instead of God giving God the the rest of us. We need to give God the best of us. Like God is God's tired of leftovers. Leftovers aren't bad. But it's like, dude, I don't want to have leftovers all the time. God is saying, I'm tired of your leftovers. Give me something fresh. Give me something new. Give me something good. Give me, give me your first. You're always bringing God your last and your leftovers. But it's like, why is your boss get to use you, but God doesn't? Why does, so your, why does your boyfriend use you, but God doesn't? Why do you let your girlfriend use you, but you don't let God use you? Like, And I'm recycling some sermons here, but let God use you, make God a priority, and obsess over Christ, yeah. not, not the cowboys. Yes, and I think that as your kids see you, know, you living it out at home, I remember probably five or six years old, I woke up really early in the morning, had to go to the bathroom, and I heard a noise in my living room. And so I, I walked out looked over, and I had no idea that every morning from 5 to 6 a.m. before my dad went to work, he was he would lay on the floor, carpet in the living room, and just crying out to the Lord. And so at a young age, I was marked with this image of just reminding myself, like, this is what men do. Like, men, wow. stu- like, they start out crying out to God and inviting the presence of God so that when, my fa- when the family got up, all of a sudden the presence of God is there in the living room. So good. And so like my dad was so passionate. He still is. Like he's one of the most passionate, amazing evangelists. Like he, he always disappears anytime we go to a restaurant and he's like sitting with somebody and leading them to Christ, you know? And, uh, so I just want to encourage you. It's like, you have to, you have to have your obsession has to be your faith in Christ. And your kids are going to notice the difference. If you've got all these hobbies, all these other idols. It's not that those things are bad. Yep. They just have taken the place yes. in your heart over Christ. So if you can just push away for a season and just get alone with the Lord and just be like, God, I want you to be my everything. I want you to be my soul desire of my heart. I want you to be the song that I sing. I want you to be the treasure in the field that I'm going to sell everything for. And you get that actual appetite back for God. Just think about what that's going to do and how it's going to change everything, not just for you, but for all the children that are looking at you. That's so good. David Ravenhill, who's Leonard Ravenhill's son, he shared the story when people asked him why you've never drank, you've never smoked, you've never, he's never been in the world ever. He's always in church on fire for God his entire life. And they said, why didn't you party? Why, what held you back from that, from doing those things? He said, every time someone invited me to a party or I was in high school, someone invited me to drink or smoke. He's like, I had a visual image of my dad on his face at five or four or five in the morning praying. Leonard Ravenhill was his dad praying. And he said, I can't, I can't, I can't party. I can't do drugs. I can't drink because I'd be breaking the heart of this man. And the only image I have of my dad is a man on his face praying every single morning. And that, think about this, Jared, that sole reason kept David Ravenhill from drinking, partying drugs. Who knows what if, what happened? He would have wow. maybe not been a preacher. Now David and his brother, who I've had the privilege of ministering with, both of them are serving God. They're both in their 80s, and they've only always served God. Hmm. They've always only served God simply, and they both say, because my dad prayed every single morning, and we saw him on his face, and we knew we couldn't break his heart. We knew it was we, his obsession. Yes, we, <laughs> we knew that if we... If we basically, if we sinned or went against God, we would be breaking our father's heart and we knew that we couldn't break his heart. So I thought that was so powerful, the mark that it has. So let's recap really quick for those that are jumping on or you need to fill in the blanks. Number one, 
is don't rely on the youth pastor. Don't rely on the church to teach your kids about God. You need to teach them. Number two is take them to a place where the spirit of God is moving. Get him in the presence of God. So number two, get him in the presence of God. Number three is spend time asking family and friends what miracles they've seen. In other words, talk about the miracles of God. Talk about the things of God. Number four, do life with other people that are hungry for God. So good. Get friends and family. Get around some friends that are on fire for God. Number five, this is my favorite one. Talk about God in the car. Worship in the car. Pray in the car. Turn your minivan into an altar. Praise mm. the Lord. That's a free one you can use sometime, Jared. Number six is invite your kids to pray over needs so they can see miracles and answered prayer. So invite your kids into the prayer request. Have them pray over needs of the family. Number seven is obsess over Christ, not the Cowboys. <laughs> obsess over Christ. Sorry. Obsess. I lost like five subscribers. <laughs> obsess over Christ, not the Cowboys. I'm going to have you pray in a second over families, parents. Yes. This, to me... I know that this podcast isn't as flashy as like, oh, ex-satanic priest tells all. I know those get insane views. This to me is the most important podcast. This is the one that I'm like, I will rewatch. I want, I'm on the edge of my seat. I want it to be taking notes. I'm going to save your notes here because it's relevant to me. It's applicable to me and it's important because I want my kids to serve the Lord. So is there anything I missed or any bonus, anything else that you can think about that we need to be talking to our kids about or sharing about? And then after that, I'll have you pray for yeah. every parent that's out there that wants to be a godly parent and teach their kids. Yeah, I would say like something that's a little bit longer than the time that we have now. But um, when it comes to sexuality, you have to be in front of it's the good. culture right now. There's so many, There's the perversion that's coming at them is so so fierce that if you as a parent don't start talking to your kids about sex, they're going to get such a perverted yes. um, introduction to it. And there's this law called the law of first mention that whatever is first mentioned to a child becomes like the cement foundation. And then any other thing that comes, any other truth, they now base it off this foundation. So if the foundation is perversion wow. that they've seen on social media or a friend has shown them something or sent them a video. Now, when you come in with truth that like, hey, God's, I, God designed sex. It was designed for marriage. It was his idea. There shouldn't be shame around it. Wow. And all of a sudden now it's coming against the the perversion. So if you as a as a parent, and we can get into resources, Moral Revolution is a great resource yeah. for parents There's out there. There's another one. It's like a passport, purity passport, I think it's called. I heard is really good. Yeah. Where you take them away, you have like this thing, it tells you what age they are, what you yep. need to talk about, and there's some really good ones. Yeah, so if you are if you do, if you feel ill-equipped, which most parents are, because we never even yeah. had our parents talk to no. us about we, it. Growing up, we didn't you talk need about to, that. You need to get educated on that. That's a whole other topic, and I can yeah. do it later. No, it's so good. If you, if you ask people that dealt with pornography or lust, whatever, every person, usually, this is an interesting thing I heard about like, overcoming pornography, and a guy was sharing this who's like a, a brain, studies people's thinking patterns and brains and all that. Anyways, he said almost every person could remember the first pornographic image they saw. That's almost right. every person could yep. remember. Almost every person could remember the first time they heard about sex. Almost every person could remember. It's that principle law of first, first mention, mention yep. where you remember the first. So what if... The first time your kids heard about these things wasn't from some friend at a sleepover, but they heard it from mom and dad saying, this is healthy, this is godly, God created it, the devil perverted it, this is right, this is wrong, and we lay that solid foundation. And again, like you said, the uh, moral revolution, is yep. that moral revolution? And then the, I think it's called the purity passport. I have some friends that just took their, I think, 10-year-old or 11-year-old boy through it, and they were like, it's amazing, and you can talk to your kids about every topic, and you get you make it like where they remember it, you take them off to like a trip to the beach or to a hotel, somewhere fun, so they yeah. remember 
member and you teach them about whatever it is and you know sex and everything else so guys look into those resources these are all the steps for those of you asking about limiting screen time that was a bonus to number one so if you're looking back on the video and you're watching now go back to point number one and that's going to be a bonus point Jared, we're almost two hours in. Sure. We got to do this again. We got to do a part two on it. And maybe next time we talk about prayer. I'd love to have you on again, maybe on a Friday night and talk about prayer and then pray live together. I yeah. love doing that. So maybe next time we can do that. But right now, why don't you just say a prayer over everybody watching that's a parent and that's like, man, I really want to really serve God right and raise my kids in the right way. Yeah, I'll first say this, that, you know, sometimes when you hear all these things, you're kind of like, man, I... I can't do these things yes. because my kids are older. I feel guilty or I have, you know, I've made mistakes. And let me tell you, like right now, you can change something so easily by by just stewarding the presence of God in your home and allowing your kids to see you worship him right there. And when you start doing that, your kids are going to follow your footsteps and your kids are going to actually start going, man, I, if you're a single mom right now and you're watching, and you're like, man, this is great. You know, you're a dad. Listen, you can actually raise your kids and teach them how to follow the Lord, and you don't have to worry about all the different things that are coming against you. Listen, just start with something. Start with something. Just start with morning devotions before the kids go to school. Start with prayer in the in the car. Start with finding a, a another uh, family that you can spend time yes. with that has that's hungry for the things of God. And then when you do hear about that prayer meeting going on, make the sacrifice, put them in the car, take them to the prayer meeting. So let me pray for you guys. You that are watching online, um, Father, I just thank you for everyone that's watching. God, Lord, we need um, to be invested in our kids. Growing up in the church, Lord, I saw so many casualties. Lord, I saw so many pastors that their kids just walked away from the Lord, didn't want to have anything to do with them because their dad or their pastor was really good in the pulpit but horrible at home. So, God, we, we just want a new generation yes. to be raised by people that actually live it out not just on Sundays, but even on Mondays. So, Father, I just pray for just supernatural breakthrough. I break the back of lies and discouragement, yes. even now that are saying, like, it's too hard, it's too much, I'm, I'm too far gone. All my kids have cell phones, they're eight years old. Father, I pray that you would give them courage, holy boldness now in Jesus' name, that they would be able to make the right choices, that they'd be able to, to parent their kids, Lord. It's their responsibility. You gave them these kids to parent and disciple them. So God, I pray for extra grace in this season, Lord. And I just pray for these children, Lord. These are gifts from you, Lord. This is a reward to us that you've given us. So Father, I Lord. pray that they would just see their children as gifts and rewards and they would steward them, that they would disciple them, and that God, we we believe, Lord, that this is the generation, Lord, that's gonna see even greater miracles, that my kids are gonna run farther than me. My kids are gonna be more on fire than me, Lord. My children, and then even my grandchildren, God, are gonna remember the stories, but they're gonna have their own stories. They're yes. gonna have their own miracles. They're gonna have their own testimonies. So, Father, I just pray for a release now. I just pray for an anointing now over everyone watching. I just pray for courage now. Lord, for those that just feel like they can't keep going, I just pray for supernatural courage in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. What an amazing night. Wow, we went almost two hours. We did it. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. If you like what you heard, go to www.isaiahsaldivar.com for more content. And please follow me on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Isaiah Saldivar. See you next week.